It was hot. Stiflingly hot. Dust cascaded across the brow of every man, woman, child, and animal in the gulch. Somebody crashed their bike. And someone else screamed out in desperation. <laughs> I don't know. Listen, everybody. My my kid, this is this is a junkie, and my kid told his teacher that we have a podcast. And uh, so now I'm gonna open every episode with the gulch. You know what gulch it is. It's BFG, and that doesn't stand for big friendly giant, all right. I just want to say if you've got a story from the gulch, please send them into creative writing. Um at gmail creative writing podcast at gmail.com or figure out some other email that'll get it to us that's probably the only one i know of it's you know the one i made for the show uh anyways yeah we got a banger coming up we have a uh an amazing guest that we had the pleasure of hanging out and talking to tonight hang on one sec i'm gonna switch my audio real quick you won't even notice I mean, you actually might notice if I start doing weirdo crap like this, like going from ear to ear to ear to ear, or side to side. And if you're listening on a mono device, well, then you ain't going to hear all this. But But anyways, yeah, let me switch my audio real quick. I'll be right back. You won't even notice. Yeah, there we go. I told you you wouldn't notice. We got a great show coming up for you uh, today. We got a funny, funny artist from Canada coming up. Here's a little bit of our interview. And so that'll be coming up later in our show. And uh, stick around for some news, some current events. And with no further ado, let's just get into this. We're going to forego the gulch this week, and let's just get into that. Moto One Podcast Network. Welcome to Creative Writing, the best podcast you're listening to right now. Unless, of course, you have two devices running and you're listening to two podcasts simultaneously. In which case, the other one is probably better. Definitely, definitely better. All right, everybody, welcome to Creative Writing. This is episode 279. And if you saw our post earlier this week, you know it's really number 301. Why do you do this to yourself, junkie? Why don't you shut up? Why don't you just shut your filthy mouth? All right, everybody, let's get into this week's show. We have a disclaimer. The views and opinions of the Creative Writing uh, Podcast are the opinions of the participants, and they uh, do not reflect the policy position or opinions of Creative Writing, the Moto One Podcast Network, any of our affiliates. Any opinion is the respective... uh, uh, What is it called? The respective person who says it that's me and not intended to malign anyone anything even the new lamborghini diablo drivers association drivers i yeah tobor you work the board a little bit dude i'm hearing myself twice on here and i know i shouldn't and uh it's making me upset all right you got that got that tobor you're tobor you're down like you were last week right now we are uh in hot mode it is very hot here uh, in SoCal. It is currently 10.50 at night, and it's about 100 and, 
112 degrees in the studio right now. Uh, it's pretty hot, pretty dang hot. And uh, outside, I don't know, it's not much cooler, I can tell you that. But I'm dripping sweat right now. Um, let's get into the news and get into current events because this show is going to be super long. Uh, I would just want to remind you, Field Initiative Knives, baby. Bring uh, This episode is brought to you by the, the good old peeps. Uh, well, the one guy who makes them. His name is Chris Wiggins. Um, you need to slice open a box. You need to slice through tape. You need to slice through a box of tape. Field Initiative Knives are custom handmade knives that are crafted to suit the most important customer, which is you. They're made by our very own beloved Chris Wiggins, who is, I think, still back in Indiana right now, mourning the loss of his father. Uh, Field Initiative knives are made in a variety of shapes, sizes, and uh, even some special custom one-offs to suit your purpose. You need to slice a tomato? You need to slice a biker named Tomato? Field Initiative has you covered. And by the way, folks, I shipened shipened my... um, my field initiative this week on my sharp pebble, I think is the name of my uh, wedding stone. And man, that thing was, you know, it's still slice and dice like no one's business, but it was definitely getting a little dull. And uh, from multiple, I use it for so many things. I use it as a screwdriver. I use it as a, um, uh, a hacksaw. You know, I use it as a mini machete. I use it for so many different things around my house, around the shop, just everywhere I go. Um, and I finally, uh, sharpened it up for the first time in a little bit and, uh, went and opened a package today from, uh, a couple tools came in from Revzilla and it sliced right through the package, right through the tools and right through the air, uh, through my door. Like I, I know it was three feet from the door. That's how sharp this thing got it. So field initiative, they are no joke, baby. They are here to stay and good to, for the play. I don't know. Don't let your kids play with knives. Um, also this episode is brought to you by Cal Recycle, protecting California's environment and climate for the health and prosperity of future generations through the reduction, reuse, and recycling of California resources, environmental education, disaster recovery, and the transition from a disposable to a fully circular economy. Visit calrecycle.ca.gov for tips on recycling your used motor oil, batteries, paints, and much, much more. Lord knows I'm going to have to go through after this summer and do some of that. Uh, I was just uh, corresponding with Bri Viffer this week uh, on the old emails, telling him about how all of my, not all, but a lot of my solvents dried up. My whole, let me see, yeah, my whole, my can of... uh, my whole can of um, acetone pretty much evaporated uh, because of this heat. I doubt. Hang on one sec. Let me see. I just gave the old can of uh, fiberglass resin a shake. It sounds like it's still uh, still pretty good. I got some Bondo in here that's probably dried out. Almost all of my resin casting stuff that I do, um, if you've ever got like one of our little cats uh, or any like a little keychain or anything that I made for you, any little plastic thing that I made out of um, uh, the, I forget what exactly the resin is. Some of it's like urethane, but yeah, it's a, uh, all of that garbage is, has been so hot in here that it just like dried everything out. Every, every chemical compound I have in here is broke down. I bet. 
if it wasn't for these very reliable gas caps, all the gas in my motorcycles would have expanded and uh, evaporated out um, the exhaust pipe. I don't know. It's been super hot. Let's just put it that way. Very, very hot. So if you are riding around here, uh, be very careful. But as a result, I'm going to have multiple um, electronic things to recycle. I've been collecting all my batteries. I used to just throw them in the trash, but you know what? Like, I've been thinking more and more about the places that we ride, and it really bums me out to see trash out on the trail. So um, I just imagine that in your landfill, too. So I've just been trying to be better about recycling my motor oils, my batteries, my paints, every all this stuff. And and after this summer in the out here in the in the shop, yeah, there's a lot of stuff I'm gonna have to take to one of these uh, cow recycle uh, places. Also brought to you, uh, this episode is brought to you by Earth 911. They are a universal resource that helps you find your own shade of green. No, no green shaming here. No green washing here. They teach you actually how to uh, how to uh, avoid green washing. Earth 911 educates and informs consumers, businesses, and communities to inspire thought and facilitate Earth-positive consumer decisions. Small changes by thousands of individuals will have a lasting positive impact. And more ideas make less waste. With topics like business, home, garden, living, learning, and more, make earth911.com your next destination. Keep Earth's writing spaces beautiful and bountiful. And, uh, yeah, that's it. That's our cold reads, but I did want to mention you that... Uh, this is making more and more as as it's getting hotter and hotter. As there's less water and water, and there's there's more garbage and more other stuff around here that I've been noticing, it really makes a difference. Um, I don't like seeing trash out on the trails. I don't like seeing stuff being wasted. It just makes to me. It just makes everything worse. And eventually, we won't be allowed to go out into our own public places that we own. You know what I'm saying? So it's always nice to keep stuff clean. Uh, and conserve and do what you can to do your part. Um, and also with this fucking heat wave, I swear to God, like I won't be able to ride until the until Wisconsin can't ride. <laughs> it's the only time the Southern California will be able to ride. So, anyways, let's get to our events really quick here. Not going to pump you up with any lame music. Thanks to Johnny over there in Taiwan uh, at. A A S Harley Davidson. He doesn't like uh he doesn't like our background music. So let's pump you up with some events. Get ready, everybody. September is here. It is September already. Can you believe that? Um, yeah, good, 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 good stuff coming up. Uh first and foremost, if you have something that's coming up and you want to advertise it, email the show, creative writing podcast at gmail.com or hit us up on any social media. And we'll try to check it. We've been really bad about checking uh, checking that lately, but we'll, we'll do our best. Um, coming up uh, this month, MotoFest is happening in Coventry, England, in the UK, Great Britain, uh, whatever else you want to call it, uh, Middle Earth. Uh, September 8th, uh, and I don't know when that is, by the way. It could be happening right now. It could be at the end of the month. <laughs> I just know it's in September. Um September 18th through the 23rd, Friday Adventure Ride in the New England region, not the New England region of the United States, the New England region of Australia. And it, I just I just realized Australia is A-U-S when you abbreviate it. It's USA just mixed up. So they have a USA, we are 
you know, they have a New England region. We have a New England region. Us and USA, they were kind of like weird parallels, I guess. But anyway, Tamworth to Tamworth, and it supports the Variety Children's Charity. Check it out. It looks like it's a very good cause and some really awesome writing. Through the Snowy Mountains, you can meet the man from Snowy River. Go visit Steve Irwin's ghost and... Uh, Drive through Drop Bear Forest, I think, is what they are planning for you. October 7th, SoCal Bike Fest 2022. That's the official name of it. It should just be SoCal Bike Fest because then you got to change the name of it every year to SoCal Bike Fest 2023, so on and so forth. You get it. You get where I'm going with that. It's happening at San Manuel Stadium out in San Bernardino, California. October 7th is probably still going to be hot as hell here, so just be ready for that. October 8th, Joe's Mini Bike Reunions happen in CV Park in La Crescenta, California. CV is Crescenta View, I think, Crescenta View Park, Crescenta Village Park. I don't know what it is, but uh, you'll know where it is. It's, it's, it's right off there. You'll see a bunch of mini bikes. He's been pumping up the show on his podcast and a lot, a lot of great... Uh, Great guys out there that are going to be coming. And as usual, I hope to see our buddies from Steady Garage out there. They're usually there every year. There's always some wacky guy that brings like a cycle car or some go-kart or some 650cc uh, mini, quote, mini bike. You know, it's got like a 650cc Predator engine or so something. But yeah, that's going to be a good, uh, pretty fun show. Um, looking forward to it. Um, also on October 8th, is uh, the Clean Desert. That's clean and then desert, D-E-Z-E-R-T. They're going to be meeting up at the Outlet Center Drive in Barstow, California to go clean up some trash. Yay! These guys uh, doing doing the uh, Mother Nature's work out there cleaning up. This group has actually organized a lot of cleanups, and I totally support that. Um, trash out on the trail sucks, and uh, it destroys not only... Like I said, our opportunities to recreate where we want to, people are going to like, hey, man, people are destroying it out here. We need to close it down. Also, it dirties it up and makes it filthy, and it's no fun to ride through that stuff. Um, and you're a pig if you leave your trash out there. So, yeah, I can't believe some of the pictures of the areas that these guys take pictures of, the before pictures. is nuts. So even if you party, if you're partying and having a good time and, like, making a lot of garbage, just pick it up the next day. I know it sucks when you're hungover, but guess what? Grow up. Uh, October 15th, <clears throat> October 5th plus 10, 15th, is the uh, Moto Beach Classic. Uh, Roland Sands is, uh, I think this is going to be like a sixth or seventh year of the Moto Beach Classic uh, happening in Huntington Beach, California. This might actually only be like the fifth one. I don't think it happened for a couple years there. But anyways, there's usually surfing let me see let me get this right there's there's always there's always motorcycles but there's usually music i didn't see that on this week's this year's flyer but i'm pretty sure there's going to be music surfing art uh motor related like bike show stuff flat track um probably some super 73 racing i mean i imagine they've been doing that uh now for a little bit so yeah there's looks like it's gonna be a bunch of fun stuff so check that out huntington beach uh october 15th um get your tickets now and uh, have fun. October 22nd and 23rd, Born Free is happening in Texas. It's, it's actually the Born Free Texas edition uh, happening at the Yellow Rose Camp or Yellow Rose Canyon Campground. Again, it looks like there's going to be a ton of fun. It kind of looks like uh, how everyone describes um, vintage days back at Mid-Ohio uh, for the AMA's Vintage Days. 
Oh, excuse me. <clears throat> but the only difference is just a bunch of chops and a bunch of Harley dudes. So uh, it's going to be a big, big Born Free show. And I don't even, I haven't heard about Born Free happening here uh, in SoCal. So maybe, uh, maybe they're not having it this year. Um, October 23rd through 28th in Tasmania, the BMW GS rally is happening. And uh, don't miss that. So that ought to be some nice, cool, cool weather. As usual, there's a lot of racing going on. There's a lot of, um, you know, local to you, local to me. There's also a lot of local rides happening. There's a classic track day coming up that we'll talk about uh, in October uh, on our next show. A lot of stuff going on. Get out there and do it. Enjoy the freaking, enjoy the weather, this hot, hot weather. (laughs) Get out there and melt. (laughs) Okay. Uh, Next bit, let's move on to the news. Um, I forgot to mention this on last week's show. Uh, but the BDR 100 Film Fest is happening on October. Hmm. What else got on this day? October 23rd. That's Born Free and the and the GS Rally. Also on October 23rd, the BDR will hold its Keep It 100 Film Festival. <laughs> what a timely meme, my friends. A timely theme and a timely meme. Keep It 100 was about two years ago, buddies. Anyways, the Keep It 100 Film Festival and Fundraiser is an online broadcast that will showcase a selection of the best 100-second films. That's why the theme is Keep It 100. It's uh, There's films that are 100 seconds long. They're submitted by the BDR community. It'll feature, let me see what it says here. It'll feature films from established adventure motorcycle filmmakers also. The Film Festival Judges Panel will select the Film Festival winners. And here are some guidelines for the aspiring filmmakers. The film must be 100 seconds or less. It must take place on a BDR, which is a back road discovery route. It must be centered around motorcycling, so it just can't be you out, I don't know, what else would you be doing on a back roses discovery route? Uh, doing aerial helicopter acrobatics? I don't know. It must use royalty-free music only, which, hey, like this show, Solstice Slam, I used to say, please send us your music. And it has to be something you made that's royalty-free or royalty-free, right? Uh, not, not copyrighted stuff. And most importantly, it must respect the BDR mission, which is ride right, ride respectfully, ride BDR. Um, all right, moving on. And so, uh, actually, if you were going to submit something to that, let me know, because it'd be fun to have a creative filmmaker on here, too. Uh, moving on from there, the ISDE news, uh, the men's, they haven't fared well in a long time. And I think right now they're like, maybe like fighting for fifth, but the women's team, on the other hand, the women's team started out strong. The media had them pegged as favorites to def- to defend the crown. From day one, they came out strong. They had a... Uh, day two, they had a commanding lead of seven minutes. On day three, they added another four minutes by the end of the day. And despite this 11-minute lead, fate was not in favor of the team as team leader, KTM, KTM writer Brandy Richards, crashed out on day four. Uh, right in the middle of the day, I think. So, uh, yeah, they were they were 11 minutes ahead of everybody. And Brandy Richards was actually overall in the women's division to win it as well. So, unfortunately, a double loss for her. Uh, however, 
Great Britain, 11 minutes behind, now scooped up the lead, and the British team is going to make their first ever, I think, uh, ISDE win. So congratulations to Britain. They're looking like they're going to lock it down. There's one day left. By the time you hear this, it'll be over. So uh, Britain will have probably won. And who is that fool? I think Joseph Garcia is his name, the guy from Spain. Who I mean, Spain doesn't have any good uh like no good motorcycle riders, right? Like, well, I mean, if you count out Paul Espargaro and Mark Marquez, oh, I'm oh, well, and like Tony Boo, like a trials champ. Well, and like Poltares, who's kicking ass on the Tenere 700 in, uh, oh, and um, the Dakar winner. And yeah, you know what? Maybe maybe Spain does have some good motorcycle riders. And Joseph Garcia, I think, is the guy's name who's winning uh, right now. Uh, overall for uh, in the uh, ISDE. So congrats on Spain for their plane named Rain. Terrible. Terrible. I took a pause there. I was having trouble breathing out here. It's stiflingly hot. I needed a fan. I can hear the air conditioning of every house around me going. I'm so jealous. Uh, let's continue on. Let's get into uh, the last bit of news here. So, uh, yeah, Suzuki... Uh, Suzuki has something special lined up for this Labor Day weekend. Here in the States, it's Labor Day, so most of y'all got a three-day weekend. Take it safe. Stay cool. Drink a beer. Don't be a fool. Whatever whatever else rhyme you want to put in there. Uh, so I think 9-5, yeah, that's going to be Labor Day, I believe. They have, according to a press release, a, a something exciting coming out. And uh, the press release from the Japanese brand... Um, Depicts a narrow, winding gravel. I can't tell if it's gravel or tarmac road. Uh, I was looking at it on my phone instead of on the computer. And it's enveloped in a canopy of dense trees. So, what is what are they trying to tell us? What's exciting that's coming down this windy, green, perhaps gravel road? Could it be a green electric model? Well, despite the foliage and dominance of the greenery in the photo, I think that's highly unlikely. What the fuck was that noise? God damn it. You guys, this my studio is haunted. I, I swear to God. Anyways. Uh, yeah, Tober. No, okay. Thanks, Tobor. You got you got the door covered? I got my I got my field initiative right here in my hand, but Tobor, you, you got the door covered. I know you don't have any laser bl- blasters or anything, but as long as you got the door covered. If somebody walks in there, you jump up or you wiggle around so I know something's happening. Okay, thanks, Tobes. Uh, let's get back to the show. Uh, where where we stop at? Right here, the greenery. So it's unlike to me. It's unlikely, despite the fact of all the green, you know, uh, showing the green trees, uh, the dominance of the color green showing a uh, dirt road. I don't think it's going to be a green uh, electric model, even though it's well known over the summer that they were talking about an electric style Bergman in the works. Um, is it a new 650 V twin? Are they kind of expanding on the SV 650 line? Uh, they they really don't have anything besides the V Strom 650 and the SV 650. Maybe they're coming out with like a, a, a intermediate sort of like a a BMW, um, you know, S 1000 XR that's not really adventure at all, but it's it's like a FC 09 where it's a sport you know, adventure sport model. Um, are they bringing back the DR 200? 
you know, that thing skipped a couple years here. Uh, they've been expanding the GSX line as of late also with the ooh, the GSX S1000 and the GSX S750s that have been coming out and the, and the GSX S1000 GT, uh, all of that. So maybe like a sport adventure bikes coming down the pipes. I have no idea, but something exciting is going to be happening on 9.5. Stick around with me and let's see what it's going to be. Uh, Kawasaki also recently announced their updated 2023 models, and pretty much like BMW, a lot of them are just carry-ups of the most popular 2022 models. And if you're into mules or Terexes or anything like that, they got uh, a bunch of those came out. There's some a bunch of rehash 21s actually also came out with the uh, the mules and the Terexes. It's kind of interesting uh, how how those models disappear, but they do also have a bunch of new crap. This is creative riding, not creative driving your mule around your farm, so we won't talk about side-by-sides on this show, but they are expanding on a sub-model or, like, package level. So I don't know if they're going to be doing that with the bikes. A lot of the bikes that came back are uh, old classics. Um, a lot of the 350s and 300, or the 300s that they've been expanding on. So, um, and of course the KLR 650 with the new traveler and adventure packages, they brought back the RS, uh, again. So you, not only do you get the Z900, you get the Z900 like classic style. So there's a lot of cool stuff. Uh, interestingly to see them promoting their tours, they hardly ever do that, but the Vulcans were on there. So yeah, it's pretty, pretty interesting. Um, if you're looking for bikes now, including like many, they say the bikes are expected this fall. And if you're looking for them now, uh, including a lot of the 2022 stuff, even the Honda mini moto lineup, uh, logistics has been wreaking havoc on most import brands. And there was a huge delay, I guess, in a lot of Honda, um, mini moto bikes and a lot of the the little mini moto community was devastated and, and everybody wants one of those trail 12500 cubs you know like it's yeah you're gonna be waiting for a little bit at least in the near future the foreseeable future uh if you want a honda, honda or kawasaki right now you're likely able to get a dirt bike since the dirt bike season uh is almost a full year early compared to like with the street bikes so when you get your like the 2023 dirt bikes were already announced like in December of last year and 21, right? So it's it's almost like a school year where hey, you're you're like a full year ahead when you're talking about when you're going to graduate versus when you start, right? So that's kind of how the dirt bike season goes. Um, otherwise, you're going to have to settle for a quad or a side by side, as most of those are made or at least assembled in domestic plants here in the U.S. I think we might have talked about that on last week's show. Maybe I just talked about it with someone at work. I can't remember when I've talked about it on the podcast or with someone else. But the Navi or Navi is made in Mexico, um, and all of the uh, Honda. Um, ATVs and some of the side-by-sides are assembled here in the States. Same with Kawasaki and Yamaha. A lot of their, you know, quads and utility vehicles are assembled or uh, manufactured here. So if you're looking for that, you'll get it. I was actually watching a movie with my kids the other day, and there was a lot of uh, Can-Am ads. And so, the uh, yeah, it looks like the side-by-side market is still outpacing the motorcycle market. It's aging motorcycle market that we have. So, uh, yeah, this one more devastating blow uh, to the 
aging U.S. motorcycle market, the inclusion of bicycles on every single OEM website speaks to the desperation and attempts at crossover that motorcycle companies are hoping to uh, find to keep the public interested in motorcycling, and that goes for everybody. Uh, actually, Honda may be one of the few that has a uh, no electric bicycles but an electric kid's motorcycle. Um, but Kawasaki this year with the all-new 2023 electrode balance bike is a solid evidence that uh, investment in the younger generation has never been more important. Uh, Harley-Davidson has their deal with Stasic for all of their bikes. And I mean, Harley even sells serial ones, right? Yamaha Ducati and now Kawasaki and Yamaha are already making electric bicycles for adults even. Um, uh, these kids balance bikes and adults. Indian has a little FTR balance bike and a, like a little electric motorcycle thing. Um, I'm not sure about Triumph from Royal Enfield and stuff like that, but I mean, I know Ducati's got some really high end, super expensive mountain bikes. So and road bikes. So almost everybody has got a, a, a bicycle in the game, whether it's for kids or adults to get that crossover. And I think you're going to see that more and more in power sports. As we talked earlier over the summer that, that uh, Parts Unlimited is hired a bicycle expert. Um, to finish out our news and all that fun stuff, I just want to say thanks to Johnny Roundtree, Matt from My Motor Motorbike Obsessions, and Becky W. You crack me up, Becky, and Bri Viffer for reaching out this week via email. I hope everyone is well, and especially if you're dealing with this massive-ass heat wave that's melting the West right now. It's been freaking hot all night, like I said, right now. It's currently 11, uh, 15 p.m., and, uh, it's just getting hotter in this studio. I'm more haunted. Every second that this goes on, it's getting hotter and more haunted. Um, but that's it. If you've got any news that you want to uh, send our way, you know the the email, creativewritingpodcast at gmail.com. Hit us up on Facebook or Instagram at creativewritingpodcast. I'll try to check the Facebooks, although I don't check them that much. Um, Instagram is a lot easier just because you just have to look at a picture and make a quick post. So if you want to DM us there, that'd be great. Um, Tobor, anything else to add? No? Okay. With no further ado, I had the pleasure of speaking to uh, a lovely um, Canadian artist and motorcyclist. And uh, I'm going to drop out here and drop in with our guest. And you stick around, sit tight, and don't let the earbugs bite. I don't know. God, I'm trying to get, I'm trying to do better. Okay. I'm trying to do better. And don't ever ride alone in the gold all right we'll be right back with some more creative writing hey this is the beast man coming at you from gsxr 600 fm the squid we've got creative writing coming at you at the top of the hour but first the traffic we have a yellow sv650 down on the 405 and a high-speed police chase being led by an rc51 over in glendale chopper dave says the bike looks pretty cherry from his vantage point but may not be so sharp from up close anyway here's an oldie from tilford sellers featuring a little known steel guitar player named moto g beats when the bright light of the city Call me by my name mm, what's that smell? They're at it again. The folks at RP Enterprises solving two world problems with one great solution. You got a hankering for some of Grandma's hush puppies? Sure you do. They're delicious. You love them. Well, how about solving 
take world hunger and the pet overpopulation problem with one easy, simple, tasty solution. Fist Puppies from RP Enterprises. Never have to listen to a Sarah McLaughlin song again about it. Fist Puppies available only at Hetty's on 4th Street. everybody we're back from the break and on this week's show we have a special guest and as usual i am so terrible at this i always mess it up i always start to half introduce people (laughs) or unintroduce people and then i get it wrong so i'm gonna allow this week's guest to introduce themselves especially because um i don't want to mess up any names here you got a super complicated name um guest tell us (laughs) (laughs) tell us who you are and where you're coming from yeah, uh, so I'm Rebecca Prop. Um, a lot of people do get my last name wrong, so I appreciate that. <laughs> and um, I'm from Toronto in Canada, and uh, originally from Montreal, so I do speak French. Nice. And I've been living in Toronto for about seven years, and I learned to ride here about, uh, oh my God, I don't even remember, 2019, like four years ago. Oh, crazy. Um, yeah, so been riding around the city and Ontario and Quebec every once in a while and having a good time and making my art and uh, making a lot of motorcycle-focused art the the more I get into it. (laughs) Right. And it's a beautiful thing. And that's actually you. I don't even know, just like everybody else that I see on the interwebs, I have no, I don't Mm -hmm. remember where you initially popped up, but I follow a lot of artists, as you can imagine, a lot of them ride. And your art popped up and... As soon as I saw it, your style, I, I love it. And I, it's my, it's a style that I enjoy, right? And if I ever do artistic stuff, Thank it's kind of, so yeah, listen, I, I love it. And um, I had a friend in, um, you know, a thousand years ago in school, we were painting the uh, Sistine Chapel together. You might know him. His name is Michelangelo. <laughs> no, yeah. I'm, not, I'm, yeah. not, I'm not quite I that old. A, I did a degree in art history when I was at art okay. school. <laughs> perfect, perfect. Yeah. So I'm very old. You may know some of my friends from uh, from ancient history. <laughs> so he was, all, he was always really good and he had these big, thick strokes that you know, the, the brushwork was, you know, fat. And I just didn't understand it because every, everything I'd seen was, you know, uh, classical and very, you know, very, um, I don't know, tidy, I guess you would say. So your yeah. art, your art immediately caught my eye. And then I'd seen you put some stuff on Instagram, um, of you doing it and you can see even your, your art, which we'll get into in a sec. Um, it is, your the way you do it as well is just so um, different than what I've seen. So I love it, and I and I love those big fat brush strokes. It reminds me of, you know, each each one is like a a piece or an emotion or something on the page. It's not just coloring in a line, basically. So that, that's so nice to hear because that's really like what I'm going for, and that's like how I'm feeling when I'm doing it. Like I love the. Like it's nice for like the the brushers to come together and like make a an image, but it's like I love getting lost in like the details mm-hmm. and like 
I've always like stuck my face too close to the canvas. So it's like all the tiny little brush strokes are like so meaningful to me. So mm-hmm. I'm glad that it's like getting across to everyone else too. Yeah. That really means a lot. Yeah, it's nice. I, I love it. And then of course, there's a theme that I'll let you talk about, but your your stuff definitely has a mm-hmm. theme. And yeah, you're, you've done... Um, all sorts of media as well. It's not just not just paint. So before we get into that, um, why don't you tell us uh, a little bit about yourself? Um, what do you do? Are you an artist? Is that um, primarily your your income? Do you do something else up there in, in uh, Toronto? Are oh, you in Toronto? Yeah, I, I thought Montreal. I need yeah. I need to write down Toronto here. Yeah, I uh, I mean I like I like to advertise that I'm from Montreal online because <laughs> I think. People think it makes me exotic or something. Yeah. I'm like, whatever I can use to like sell myself. But yeah, I do live in Toronto right now. Um, I actually, my day job is as a florist. Nice. Um, so uh, I get to like get the like creative impulse out because it's, it is very hard to just make your living totally selling your art. But I definitely like sell, you know, a piece every once in a while. Um, I used to show in like galleries more often, like right when I had graduated from art school, but I'm like the older I get, the more like anti-establishment I feel, I guess. Um, and I feel like social media is such a good way to just like DIY it and just like connect directly to the audience you want to be with. So like I found way more success selling myself on social media, especially TikTok now, weirdly. (laughs) Um, It's like a great way to connect with people. And it's like all young people who like, you know, they still have dreams and they want to like spend their money on art and they want to even just like give you an encouraging word. So they're not old and crushed um, like me. That's what I'm doing. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Yeah. You, you, you do your art. You'll live in a van down by the river. And nowadays people are like, yeah, I want to, I kind of would like a nice sprinter van conversion down by the river. That sounds wonderful. (laughs) It's kind of the dream I'm reading. um, I'm reading into the wild for the first time. Mm, And like, they're just like talking about how he like voluntarily gives everything up. He's like living off the land and he's like, Maybe you didn't do the best job of it, but I'm like, this, this kind of sounds ideal, honestly. <laughs> like, yeah. It did sound pretty awesome right up until, well, I won't give a spoiler. I won't spoil it, even though the book's been out forever, but yeah. I did it, watch the movie. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. So, I yeah. I know how it ends. Yeah. So, right. I think just planning. But, you know, there are some people, um, especially, like you said, younger people, where I think the American mm-hmm. dream was lost on some where it's like, hey, you work hard and you guess what? You'll earn a, you'll get a house and have your kids and then retire and it's like well I don't think that's the um, quite the American dream anymore now the American dream is A if you don't work for a corporation and make bajillions of money somehow um, you're going to be at the other end the, the the wage gap at least here yeah. in America is getting further and further apart so you're either going to be in a van down by the river or you're going to have to <laughs> invent some new technology that makes you a billionaire but then everyone else is going to hate you you know what I'm saying <laughs> it's going to be the yeah that's so true yeah. yeah it's it is it is really interesting yeah and um i i definitely also i feel like i've personally gone through that um shift like i originally i went to school i was gonna pursue a phd in art history like it was always about art but i was definitely gonna pursue academia and i wanted to like be in the system and and be a professor and like at some point like something in me just like dramatically shifted and I was like wow I hate this 
Yeah. And uh, so the last, I, that was like 2016. I think I like was like, this isn't for me. Mm-hmm. So I've just been like being an artist and like being kind of a bum, but like, you know, I have my day job and I like get to make my art and I'm doing it and I feel great. That's and all that ma- I can tell you. I can to, tell you as someone yeah. who's over 125 <laughs> years old, that's all that matters is that you, <laughs> you do you and you make yeah. it make it what you want it want it to be. So as long as you're happy, really is really. And, and you know, this last couple of years, um, I'm not sure how the floral industry got impacted by, you know, the, the pandemic thing going on. But I'm sure I, I saw a spike in people shifting their um, what they thought was their dream and what they were pursuing. Definitely, even even high professionals, you know, high up professionals, uh, a lot of them that I know, uh, even my work even is, uh, you know, they kind of made a switch and said, Hey, I'm going to exactly what you did. Things already were kind of looking rocky and guess what? Uh, right now is a perfect time to do an about face and pick something else, you know? Um, that's awesome. It's so true. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know if floral, uh, first of all, when you said you're a florist in Toronto, I, I, you're gonna have to forgive me for my lack of knowledge about um, Canada, but I was a hundred percent sure that it was more like Canada was basically like passing over the wall in Game of Thrones. Like, isn't it always just icy and cold up there? <laughs> uh, to to be fair, um, it's so I actually work um, the the florist I work at. We deal like exclusively in roses. Um, uh-huh. It's called the Rose Emporium. I guess we'll give a shout out and. Um, we they they are all imported from South America. <laughs> gotcha. Where it never snows. <laughs> yeah. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Definitely not grown here. Yeah, um. Okay. There. I mean, there's like some flowers. I know like lots of florist friends in the city. So I actually got this job through another motorcycle friend who is a florist. Um. Who runs her own business called Moody Bloom. Oh, nice. And um, she grows a lot of stuff in her own backyard and, and turns them into bouquets. And she does a lot of dried stuff. Um, so there are some flowers. but um, And it is very hot in the summer. It's really hot today. Uh, and to be fair, I did have a friend from Southern California who uh, lived here for a couple of years. And she said she'd never experienced summers this uncomfortable. Yeah, so. I, I bet it's a, a, a little bit humid. <laughs> yeah. You know, it doesn't normally get humid out here on the West Coast. Um, and California in particular, it's been, I can tell you today is pretty miserable. The, this last few weeks has yeah. been like crazy. It's only, I think it's only, um, I want to say it's only in the high 80s today, but the humidity has been unlike anything yeah. I ever felt here in California for a bit. It's been getting more, more and more humid in the in the summers, but nothing, nothing. I, I'm from the um, Arkansas, and so um, if you take um, every hillbilly movie you've ever seen, uh, probably, and, <laughs> and uh, imagine that that's like how it was where I was grown growing up, and in the woods in the summertime is just over. You can't even talk because you have to scream through about three feet of water before you, you know that the air Ugh. the air is just nothing but like mist. You know, it's just so hot and de- and dense. Yeah. So it's nothing like that, but it is it is hot and humid here. Um, yeah, and so you are importing stuff from from South America, where uh, yeah, it's always warm down there. <laughs> you know, like what the heck? yeah, yeah. Nice. So it works out, and um, it's pretty it's pretty interesting because everyone I've ever met who's worked in the floral industry is like pretty blue collar, I would say. Mm-hmm. Um, and all of the clients are like very bougie like a lot of 
like old money type of people. Yeah. Um, which I've, I mean, I've had a lot of different jobs and for some reason that's like the type of clientele like that I've always catered to. And it's, yeah. it's just like such a weird <laughs> dynamic. <laughs> you go to their house with your signs <laughs> and like die, die yeah. bourgeoisie or whatever. Right. No, you know, there's no other, um, I mean, most people that I know definitely don't have roses on their centerpiece, you know, year round. So yeah. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> right. Um, so speak, it sounds like you've got a lot of writing friends and it sounds like you also started fairly recently. So let's talk about that a little bit. Let me know what you're writing and, um, and how many bikes you've had or, you know, what, what was your first one? If you've had more than one, um, what do you, what are you tooling around Toronto on? Yeah, so uh, this is my second bike, and uh, the first one didn't last very long. It's the whole thing. Um, but right now I'm on a Yamaha. The first one was also a Yamaha, um, so I'm definitely a fan. And uh, this one, it's an XJ750 Maxim. Oh, nice. And I think there's, like, quite the cult following online. Um, there's, like, a forum I always go to. What's it called? XJbikes.com. Um, whenever I'm, like... <laughs> struggling with something yeah um and it's from 1982 so it's pretty old so every time i'm like commuting or just using it to like get around to do an errand i'm like i can't believe i'm able to do (laughs) nice (laughs) like it's such a privilege yeah you never know like with the 80s bikes because i also have a 1980 yamaha you never know when they're gonna you know take a dump on you <laughs> yeah, but I was um, I was in traffic like this is like a month or so ago. I was like at a red light, and this guy was walking past, and he immediately like knew the engine, and he was like, "I used to have one of those. Yeah. You could never get rid of it. Yeah. That thing is indestructible." And he just kept yelling, "You could never get rid of that thing!" And it's like. I'm not. I'm using it right now. I'm not going to get rid of it. <laughs> yeah. That's some encouragement. Um, That's he's nice. Really concerned. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hey, listen, I'm telling you. <laughs> You're like, whoa. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nice. What was yeah. your What was your so, very first one? Sorry. What What was your first one? Your the, the other first one. Other one. So it was also a Yamaha. Um, so I got it at this. Um, there used to be this garage here called Motor Revere. That's like a DIY garage. And I know, um, like, I know there's a few places like that in the state, but this is definitely like the only one in Toronto. And, uh, they, uh, they're on a hiatus now because of COVID. Um, but they were amazing. And they had like a couple bikes. People had just like left there as project bikes. So they sold me this, um, it was a Yamaha SR250. <gasps> um, yeah. I was like, it's, the perfect size it was red like it was super cute and they sold it to me for five hundred dollars and they were um they were like we'll teach you how to fix it like we'll teach you everything you need to know and i was like how can i pass this up um and i spent the whole i think it took me like nine or ten months to fix it which a lot of that was just like troubleshooting and waiting for parts to come in but i did so much work on that bike um, and then I finally got it on the road in, I think it was July, 2019. And then I was like skating around the city on it. And then someone invited me to this like moto camping trip in North Bay, which is, uh, like pretty North of Toronto. It's like a six hour ride North of Toronto. And, um, I was like, okay, I guess I'm going to do this. I don't know why I thought it would be a good idea. Um, I had never ridden on the highway before, but I was like, yeah, I'll do this. Uh, <laughs> nice. So I went on a group ride for it. It ended up taking like eight hours. It was 
so cold and it was raining and the rain gear I had was really cheap and my pants were melting. Like the, the rubber um, rain gear I'd bought, the pants melted and were like hitting the girl behind me in the face. Oh my God. And, um, but we made it. And then I don't know what I did to this bike while we were there. I, I definitely like, I dumped it in some mud by accident and like, something like that but on the way back two days later we're like an hour outside of north bay and then we're like on the highway it's like a gorgeous day it's not anything like the ride up it was like sunny and this like hawk passed right above us and it's like beautiful and then all of a sudden i just felt the bike just stop giving (laughs) oh no and i pulled on the shoulder and it would not start and it never started again and uh yeah and i had to get a tow uh so like um yeah yeah i had to pull over and get a it was like a four-hour tow back to the city but my friend happened to be there with a car um and what what's the, the term she was like driving chase or something yeah 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 Yes, yeah. So that she had everyone's gear. So everyone had to take all their gear out of her car um, so she could give me a lift back to the city. But um, yeah, and then that bike never started again. And uh, I mean, on the way up, I had realized I needed a bigger bike anyways because the, the 250 would top out at 120 kilometers. I don't know what it is in miles. I'm sorry. I'm just going to say miles um, an hour. Yeah. <laughs> that sounds it, like, super impressive. Not, it was like pretty much like the minimum you should be going on those yeah. <laughs> like and uh, there was another girl in the group with me who also had a 250 and we were like were you also just like the throttle was just like couldn't have been more open like there was nowhere else to go and it was like this is as fast as we can go and everyone's going faster than us yep yep <laughs> so I-, I like knew I needed a bigger bike um and then I found my current one, the the Maxim. Uh, I only paid a thousand dollars for it, so it was a pretty good deal, I think. Nice, nice. And you know, the Maxim. I think if it's the same style that I'm thinking of, it's the if your SR was stock, it kind of had like the little cruiser, you know, pullback bars. Yes. Double seats. Yeah. Right. So it's it's just like a bigger SR250, basically. That might be how yeah. I found you, actually, because my very first street bike was also a Yamaha SR250, and I'm looking at it right now. I still have it. Oh, my God. Yeah. Maybe, oh. that, maybe yeah, that's how I, I saw it. I really missed that bike. Yeah. I sold it to a, I sold it to a guy... Um, who I so I was I should have just sold him the whole bike, but I was like too attached to it. I ended up like taking it totally apart, and I was gonna part it out. But this guy ended up buying like almost all of the parts that, and he rebuilt the whole thing. But I kept the tank because yeah, it's so cute. Yeah, yeah. You can't. It's like it's like uh, keeping I don't know the head of a trophy buck. I don't know. That's a bad, totally bad analogy. <laughs> But it's kind of the same, yeah. But, I mean, right, like, yeah. I, I don't have it hanging up, but it's, like, it's just, like, on the floor in my living room, like, tucked in a corner, yeah. but I, like, look at it every once in a it, while. It's, like, one of the things, like, you can't really keep handlebars off a bike because you could always switch handlebars. You can't really keep the wheels because the wheel is a wheel, but if you keep the tank off a certain yeah. bike, the it, it'll remind you of the rest of the bike. The tank is sort of, you know, like, exactly, like the yeah. heart, heart of it all. That's so crazy because, yeah, yeah mine, also, I re-geared it so that I could go... Um, 
over, you know, 60 miles an hour, which is probably, oh, yeah, probably, shit. yeah, it's probably about 120, you know. So mine, I, I actually got it up. I think the fastest I ever went was 95 miles an hour, which I don't know what that is in kilometers, but I'm going to guess it's like close to 200. Um, and it was terrifying, right? Because let's see, we're double. Yes, yeah. So almost 200. I'm going to guess like 180 oh my God, kilometers. Yeah. And when I was going, um, when I was going, 120 kilometers like you could like feel that thing just like (laughs) (laughs) it was so dangerous (laughs) like like, once I I hit the highway because I've done like a bunch of really long road trips on the 750 and it's like oh this is like so smooth like it's it's like night and day like I cannot believe I thought it was a good idea to like take that 250 on such a long trip but yeah uh, the, it, it almost survived. So. Yeah, no, I mean, and, and it's so crazy that it gave out when the weather was beautiful and everything was was coming to the oh home my God, stretch. Yeah. That's that's crummy. Yeah, I I routinely rode mine two or three hundred miles, you know, in a weekend on the freeway. But that's also why I had to regear it because I realized, hey, this isn't going to last. And I've right. had I had bigger bikes. Um, throughout all these years, but I have, you know, they've come and gone and I still have that thing. I'm, I'm hoping, you know, I, I ride it around whenever I get the chance and I'm hoping that yeah. maybe my kids start to ride, they'll, I can pass it on to them. So like, and say, Hey, this oh is my, my God, first yeah. bike. It's Here's- like really the perfect starter bike yeah. and just like the feel and like, it was so comfortable and like, I'm pretty tall. So it was a bit, short for me like I def- I see pictures that my friends took of me when I first got the bike and I like look like a giant <laughs> on it steady. but <laughs> it was like it was so comfy and it was like the perfect way to learn how to ride and it was perfect for tuning around the city because oh, yeah. um like the traffic here is insane yeah. and lane splitting is not legal <laughs> so oh, it's no. like pretty dicey yeah I mean, most most streets are, like, one lane anyway, and then, like, if you want to cut around, you have to make sure you're not going to, like, run over a cyclist or, like, a fucking e-bike or something. (laughs) Yeah, which are everywhere. (laughs) But, right, yeah, those things are skinny and and light, and, yeah, they're so flickable for the city. Yeah, they're perfect city bikes. They also, mine mine still gets about, I don't know, 70-something miles per gallon, and, I mean, you can't beat that in the city, you know what I'm saying? Like, that's that's an amazing city city range. Yeah, they're, they're phenomenal. But, yeah, I'm a big fan of Yamaha too. Um, I've had, let me see, I guess I had the SR, I had a Honda, a Suzuki, and now I have another Yamaha. Um, yeah, I came back yeah. to Yamaha. So yeah, they, they build pretty, pretty bulletproof bikes in my opinion, but yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. Oh yeah. So you've gone, let's see, moto camping. What other hijinks mm-hmm. have you gotten into, uh, on your motorbike? Um, I do go to, um, Montreal pretty often. Um, on my on my bike so you're just sitting on like the highway 401 which is like a pretty it's pretty boring stretch of highway it's um i think that's the trans canada okay um so there is a highway that goes all the way across canada and i think it's the 401 i might i might be mistaken but you can just like sit on the highway and it'll take you from toronto to montreal no problem um, so it's like a pretty easy ride to do. I still feel like kind of a beginner cause I've only been riding for like four or five years. I don't, I don't remember. <laughs> but, yeah. uh, um, so I'm, I always think of it as like practice still. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I've gone on like a few, uh, I'll like go on like day trips, like around, um, 
around uh, around Toronto. Um, I'm trying to think of like some notable places, and I, I can't think of any. Yeah. Just like uh, you know, like little camping sites. Yeah. And stuff. Yeah. Are there any? I haven't um, been to the states on my bike yet, though. Hey so. man, you should come down. And uh, yeah, it's yeah. It's, from what I understand, it's uh, it's pretty much the same. There's just an invisible line that that uh, separates <laughs> separates it. So. Exactly. Yeah, yeah I don't, I'm not 100% <laughs> sure what it's like, uh, but I'm sure it's probably, you probably have some hills and like countryside out there. And I mean, yeah, there's all sorts of stuff here. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's um, it, it's surprisingly like, because Toronto is like such a weird, like sprawly city. And then it's like, there's like the edge of the suburb that you hit. And then all of a sudden it's like farms. Oh, wow. Crazy. Um, so like, I try like most weekends to like get out of the city and it's like, literally just like two or three hours tooting around and you're like in the country and you'll like go to like a little farm and get some jam or something. And it's it's so nice. And like the speed limit's kind of perfect. Like you can like be going like a hundred, but like it's not too fast, but it's like not slow. There's no traffic. Yeah. Yeah. We definitely get into some, um, rides here and it's like, you know, let me, let me do the kilometers, uh, math on this real quick km to mph so i can tell you how fast we go because yeah sometimes we'll be going you know around here and you just want to cruise and everybody mm-hmm. wants to haul but let me see yeah oh that's wrong i meant to do miles per hour so let's see what is uh, <laughs> 170 yeah so basically me and my buddies when we ride around they always want to do at least like a hundred and uh, 70 kilometers an hour. That seems too much. What is, what's 140? Oh my God. Yeah. Okay. So 140 to like 150, um, is like their cruising speed that they want to do. That's about, that's like, Oh, oh my God. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's like 85 or 95 that's miles it. an hour. Right. And that's like a minimum cruising speed. I'm like, come on, go, let's go. And then sometimes, you know, we rip through the canyons at eh, not quite that fast, but we'll, we'll do anywhere from like, 50 miles an hour too. I mean, we've got up to, you know, 140, 150 K, um, in the mountains, you know, when, when the roads are straight yeah. enough, but it's so fun to tear through there. But like you said, there's other times where I just want to cruise. And when I'm not with my friends, I think that's about, uh, that's about the speed that I like to cruise. hundred. Yeah. That's about 62 miles an hour. Yeah. That's perfect. That's perfect cruising speed. And yeah. Oh yeah. 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 That is like so perfect for just like a nice day through the countryside. And you know, it beats, you know, it beats being stuck in the city and it's also not like, you know, bending through the corners at like 95 miles an hour, you know, so, <laughs> or like a hundred miles an hour. Yeah. And, and yeah, it yeah. is. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. Cruising's just, just fun sometimes. Um, it's so nice and relaxing yeah. and you can like, you can like take in your surroundings, but you're still like, yeah, I'm going fast. Like yeah. it's nice. <laughs> Right. It's not like it's, you know, like a, like a 50 K and you're going to be that you're going to be on that road for three hours just to get, you know, you know, Oh my God. Yeah. Not very far. I've seen, I've seen some of those roads in Mexico too. By the way, the speed limit said 80 and it meant K, but people were doing at least 90 miles per hour. So I was like, Oh <gasps> man, <laughs> you know, like, dude, don't get pulled over That's by it. So terrifying. <laughs> I mean the 401, the, like the big highway here is like that, like the limit's supposed to be a hundred kilometers, but if and I've like driven on it in a car and you'll you'll start you'll be like doing like 130, 140 mm-hmm. and it, it like doesn't even feel like it because everyone's doing that speed. Right. Um but when I'm on my motorcycle, I'm like parked in the far right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm doing like one ten and it's like this is 
fine. Yeah, yeah. I think the fastest I've ever gone was 140. Um, just to like pass a bunch of cars, I'll like get up to 140 sometimes, yeah. and it's like, yeah, okay, this is pretty fast yeah yeah no it definitely feels <laughs> fast and especially if you're not used to doing it you know what i'm saying like yeah that's yeah. that's pretty quick it's about 85 miles an hour and uh i live in the los angeles area and traffic is never going that fast hardly ever except for motorcycles yeah. you know la- lane sharing is legal here so we'll be doing 85 between cars that <laughs> you know they're doing like 50 for like later that's so like insane to me because like every once in a while like I mean, you're not supposed to, but on a bike, like, you know, you'll do like the Toronto version of lane splitting, which is going between traffic and the parked cars. Mm -hmm. And I I always like go down to like low, low second gear, like going like super slow. I'm like paranoid. I'm going to like hit someone's mirror or something and they're going to like lose it on me. I can't imagine going 85 between cars <laughs> yeah but that's like such a useful skill yeah and you, the more you do it obviously the more you get used to it and to be honest if cars are dead yeah. stopped i'm not doing 85 between cars then i mean that's like 80 well that's like 140k between cars that are going zero right so yeah, yeah. When, they're, when they're dead stopped i i usually do slow down to probably only like 20 miles an hour faster than than traffic's going but yeah it, it is yeah. it is useful but you're right it's not necessary all the time however on days like today, when it's super hot, you're the XJs. Those were air cooled. Those were air cooled uh, bikes. Oh my god! Yeah, I've yeah. been in uh, situations before. We're on the high. Like last year, I was on the highway, um, and it was just like the worst I'd ever seen it. And because it's just like so, like I don't know. I've had so many parking tickets in Toronto, and like the tickets <laughs> are so expensive. And I was like, can I like this? The one time I try to like lane split or right on the shoulder like i know a cop is gonna like come out of nowhere yep yep, yep. and my bike was just like kept shutting off because it was like so hot it was like 40 degrees or something and i like i pulled over and i like dumped my water bottle on it and it just in me like the second it touched the engine it evaporated and i was like okay like this is a pickle yep um that's why thankfully i was able to pull off very quickly after that and just took the side streets, but it was like, Oh my gosh. It was so you, crazy. You yeah. just got to keep moving. You know, you got to keep moving. I think that's the whole reason that um, yeah. lane sharing became and lane splitting became legal here in California. SoCal is because the highway patrol, as you can imagine, like there's States like Arizona and Nevada to the East of us that are in the actual like desert, and they get much mm-hmm. hotter. They're, they're like part of the Sonora. Like we have the Mojave here and they, but they have the, Mojave and the Sonora and all that fun stuff that comes up, you know, between here and Mexico and, and they get hot, hot. But as you can imagine, like not a lot of people live in those places where in Southern California, there's like, I don't know, 85 million people here. And, and there's, yeah. you know, the police, ha- the, the, there has to be a police uh, force capable, you know, so the motorcycle cops, even way back in the fifties, you know, they were uh, overheating their Harleys and stuff. And so, yeah, they were, they made lane sharing like a thing way back. It goes, it goes pretty far back. Oh, yeah. That makes total sense, actually. And, it, you know, that reminds me, I actually did look up after um, that whole uh, fiasco, I guess. I mean, I got home, but I did, I was like, is it legal to like ride on the shoulder if your bike is like going to die otherwise? It should and, like be. <laughs> everything I saw said, like, you probably won't get in trouble. So. Yeah. If you got a good explanation, <laughs> yeah, and you're, you know, if you got a good explanation like that, 
then it's probably not. And and you're not doing a wheelie, you know, down the, <laughs> like flipping people off doing a oh wheelie. Oh my God, yeah. <laughs> you're probably good. They'll probably take that as an answer. But yeah, no. Um, also, so I'm going to ask you this. Uh, uh, the, we have a bunch of um, listeners from Wisconsin, or we did. And uh, I would always joke with them about having a three-month riding season. Is that... Are you in the same boat? I mean, is it is it you ride during the summer, whether it's rainy or whether it's sweltering, and because that's what you get, you know, three or four months? Pretty much. Um, I mean, I don't ride when it's like pouring rain out, but this this year has been super dry in Toronto, like abnormally dry. Um, and it was like raining a little bit today, and I went out for like a short like it's it's so hard to stay inside because you know you have a shorter riding season (laughs) but i also i i push it a little bit um and i just like bundle up a bit when it gets colder um i obviously don't ride when the streets are like shit and they're like full of ice and salt and stuff but there's definitely like i can like usually push it into like early december and then i'll like get on the road and like mid to late March maybe if I'm if I like really want to wow uh this year I I think I started in like April because I was like doing some work on my carbs and I was just lazy in like putting them back on my bike because it was a pain in the ass yeah um but yeah I started my riding season this year in like April and I'll hopefully ride until like mid-December nice that ain't too shabby I would, it depends on when it's gonna like start snowing and stuff. Right, like really dumping to the Toronto, point where you won't go. Anywhere. Yeah, because Tor- Toronto gets pretty mild winter. Because I'm from Montreal, and we, I'm assuming Wisconsin is more similar to Montreal winters, where it's like a lot of snow. <laughs> yeah, yeah, from um, what I've seen, yeah, yeah, and like I think Toronto's like right on uh, Lake Ontario, and then there's like all the Great Lakes are like close by, and it's creeps. Some kind of, like, I don't know, some kind of hot air ah, okay. thing that yeah, yeah. makes it not as snowy. Right. I always thought the lake effect made it colder. I have no idea about that stuff since yeah. I'm not from that area. But, ma- but I mean, maybe. In the, yeah, in the summer, definitely. It's like you go down by the lake because it's like five degrees cooler. Yeah, and then yeah. in the summer, I, sorry, in the winter, for some reason, it just like doesn't snow as much because it's blowing it all it to Wisconsin. Late, but... <laughs> it's like blowing it down into into there, making it crummy in Wisconsin. <laughs> Maybe, yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah, nice. I mean, like even like every Christmas, I like go back to Montreal to visit my family, and they almost always have like three feet of oh, snow wow. that we don't have here. Hmm. So interesting. It's a nice. Yeah, it's like a pretty big. A big difference. Uh, how far are they yeah. away hour-wise? I'm not super familiar. Um, are they like a few um, hours? If you're like booking it and like not stopping on the highway, you could get there in like five and a half hours. Oh, okay. Um, and the the first time I rode there, I got there in six hours. And I like to stop a lot. Um, like I, I usually stop like once an hour just to like triple check my gas situation and also just oh, yeah. to like you know like walk around and stuff yeah. um but the last time i went it was like so hot it was like 40 degrees it was like crazy hot that's like how hot and, it is here uh, it's I was, very hot <laughs> uh, ooh, yeah i don't know what that's like in uh, fahrenheit but it was very 
really hot. Yeah, it's pretty warm. Um, and motorcycle gear is all black for some reason. Yep. <laughs> um, so it was really like overheating. So I was stopping every like 45 minutes. It took me eight hours to get there, which is like way too long. <laughs> Yeah, man, that is, especially in the heat, it, it's it's about 104 degrees uh, Fahrenheit. And that's about Southern California, like that'll be a high day here. We, we're lucky enough that we get like the, mm-hmm. we get, I guess what you would call the ocean effect because we're right by the Pacific. So we always get some, um, it's always a little cooler here than it is on the other side. Like in the desert, once you pass through the Sierra Nevadas and get into like Utah and all that stuff, it gets crazy hot over there and in, and in the desert like Arizona, but we're, we're the same. Like it, it'll get to the triple digits, but you don't feel it that bad. But when we get the, these, uh, winds that come from the East, we call them Santa Ana's. They blow the hot desert air in here and it'll re- like the hottest it's ever been that I rode in was 120 degrees. Uh, Fahrenheit, which I don't know what I that can't is. Even yeah, I'm guessing it's like close to 50 C or something like that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like it was it was hot. Let me see. What is 50 C to Fahrenheit? I feel like yeah, 122. So it must have been like 48. Wow. 48 C. Yeah. Um, yeah, like I, I love this translation too. I feel like I'm I'm learning a new language here. <laughs> Talking in KMs. Yeah, it's like the, the miles per hour is what's really getting me. It's like the the miles per hour is like so much. Um, the number's so much lower than the kilometers. So now I feel like when I'm reading stuff about the states, I'm going to be like, oh, they're going so much faster than yeah, I thought they were. <laughs> yeah. Well, for instance, like a lot of the, the speed limits around here in SoCal at least are 104. So I guess it'd probably they probably would round it up to 105 Ks, um, 65. We also have mm-hmm. some 70 miles an hour, which is 112 um, K. And so I don't know. Are there any freeways like that around you with, that has speed limits like that, or do they do they just round them to like a hundred, hundred and ten stuff like that? Yeah. So the 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 main highway here, the four hundred one is, or all the four hundred series highways they call them, which I'm still getting used to because I'm not from like I didn't learn to drive in Toronto. So okay. there's all these like different I don't know things here. So right. they have the four hundred series highways, which are like the big ones. Um, and they all have speed limits of a hundred, but, right. but it's really, um, I would call it like a speed minimum. Cause like oh, if you're okay. going under a hundred, you're like going to get fucking rear-ended. Yeah, okay. Right. Yeah. <laughs> there's, there's a couple of highways um, around here like that too. If you're not, the speed limit may say 65 or 70, but if you're not doing a hundred miles an hour, someone's going to be like up your ass in a huge truck too, like running you over. Yeah. Oh you yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, yeah. And, and it's like, if you were in an accident cause you were going too slow, like everyone would probably be like, yeah, like it's your fault, kind of your fault yeah. for going too slow. Like, <laughs> nice. So that's a speed minimum. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's yeah. that's roughly um, that's sixty two. Yeah, so it's it's so, always like an even number for sure. Right. So that's never we're never gonna we're never gonna match up um than ever. But yeah, that that's roughly I mean, ours is sixty five and I and a hundred is sixty two. So I mean that's I, that's what I'm guessing. And yeah, I agree with you. That's a minimum. The only time you're not doing that is if there's a if tra- if there's a ton of traffic and there's a jam. Otherwise you're going as fast okay. as possible because there's always a jam and everyone if you're if you're only doing the speed limit, you're garbage. You know, like everyone's yelling at you and it's so true. You. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Nice. And so, I, I'm just like I've uh it's that just like reminds me of all these drivers I keep seeing in traffic jams though who it's like they don't they don't realize that if you take your foot off the gas that like slows you down mm. 
So they're just like constantly putting the brakes on and then everybody else is putting their brakes on yeah. and it's like, actually, oh, God, we're not that. stopping. Like, no. you don't have to like make everybody brake. Yeah. I used to... And just like artificial traffic yeah, being that, created. You see brake lights, you put your brakes on and you just realize it's because somebody doesn't know how to modulate the gas with their foot or whatever. Yeah, it's crummy. Yeah. Hey, so real quick too, I, I really want to get into your art too. Before I do mm-hmm. that, let's finish off the motorcycle chat with, I want to know how hard it is to ride how like what did you have to do to get your license and is there like steps that you have to take because here at least in in most of the states and most of the most of the states i can think of all you have to do is take a test and you just go down if you want to get your permit you just go down and say hey i want a permit to drive or to get my motorcycle permit and you already have to be driving age anyways to do that so Really, it's just uh, you have your you have your car license, and then you just say, "Hey, I want to get my motorcycle permit," and they just sign a piece of paper and say, "Hey, don't ride with anybody on your motorcycle. This expires in a year. Oh my God. You can go do whatever you want. You can go buy a motorcycle, and you can keep renewing that every year. <laughs> you know, so at least here in California, oh, so my God, you could technically go out with just this piece of paper from the motor vehicle bureau and go get get a you know gigantic motorcycle, you know, or a race bike and just start driving without ever having your license. Um, I I wouldn't advise that to anybody, by the way, if anybody's listening, but I'm just saying that's what's possible. (laughs) So uh, to get your license, you have to take a written and and a driving portion. And there's some schools that you can take that are like, you know, over the weekend. And if you go do their rider course, they'll teach you how to ride if you've never ridden before. Or if you have ridden, like when I, when I started riding or got my license, I had already been riding for a bit. And so I just basically had to go to this class just to like make it official, but they will let you, uh, the department of motor vehicles will let you show this little slip that says, Hey, I took a class and that'll count as your writing portion. Cause otherwise they have to like, you have to go out in the, their, uh, little facility and do like figure eights and do like a little balancing things yeah. and, and all that. So is it like that? Is it something like that? The, the official, you know, license licensure in, in Canada? Yeah. So the, the riding portion sounds similar. For the permit, you definitely have to go and uh, do a little, like, written test mm-hmm. like you do for the um, driving exam. But it's funny because I got my driver's license in Quebec. And there, like, you you do the written test and then you get your permit that lets you, like, drive with an adult or whatever. And then you take your lessons and then you do the driving test and then you like have your license and it's like, this is your driver's license. Like you're good to go. But in Ontario for cars and motorcycles, you do the permit and then you get your license, but they're like, actually this isn't your full license. Mm. So, um, I, I still have to do another motorcycle test. I should do it this year, but I have another year. Left. <laughs> um, so I have my M2 which is like the first version of your motorcycle gotcha. license. And it's like, it's a full license. But it's kind of provisional it, or something? Sorry. it Yeah, it expires after like five years. Okay. And then you either do the full M test, which gives you like your license forever, which is what I still have to do, or you redo the M2 test. Um, so they have like this weird, I think it's called graduated licensing. It's kind of... I think it's a weird system, but I have to comply. (laughs) Um, But yeah, you do, you have to do, um, you can just like go to the, um, the ministry, what is is it called? The 
I actually have no idea what it's called here, but the drive test, I think, drive mm-hmm. test center, and uh, do, like, the government test in the parking lot, like you were describing with, like, the figure eights and stuff. So you can either just, like, go there and do that, but apparently the test is pretty difficult. Um, or you can do one of those weekend classes where they, like, teach you motorcycle safety, and they test you at the end of it, but they basically hold your hand through the whole thing. And, uh, like, when I took the test, they spent the whole afternoon letting us practice exactly like the test course. Gotcha. And then they were like, okay, now you're going to do it, but we're going to like time you essentially. Oh, okay, um, okay. So everybody passed. Yeah, right. <laughs> That's very Canadian. Um, like re- they're very nice yeah. and like, yeah, we'll, we'll actually help you through this. So, <laughs> so true. It's <laughs> very yeah, nice. It was pretty crazy though that like when I tell people that like, yeah, I just like rode in a parking lot for a weekend, like we didn't go higher than like second gear mm-hmm. um and i i didn't even get really good at shifting in a second honestly on that weekend i must in first the whole time and then they're like here you go like have fun not dying on the road yep. like trial by fire it's that, crazy that sounds yeah. that sounds a lot like the process here um except for like yeah. i said you can go to you can go to a weekend writing class and take their writing portion and you still you don't get out of second gear really you know and and they teach you stuff they, they yeah. teach you figure eights and this and that they don't teach you lane splitting or hey look you know doing 85 this is what the wind shear is going to feel like you know they don't teach you all that stuff oh my god yeah that was something that like in, until i like um went on the highway and it was on that road trip I was describing up to North Bay for six hours. Um, <laughs> like, I had no idea how much force the wind yeah. has You're on like, your this, body. This wasn't on the test. Like, and I was like, oh, my God. Yeah, like, this is why people get windshields. Yeah, mm-hmm. in this friggin' parking lot, like, they were like, we're practicing emergency stops. And it's mm-hmm. like, I'm going 10 kilometers. Like, yeah. What emergency? <laughs> <laughs> right. Wait till you're on the freeway and somebody, you know, just eat shit in front of you and you got to really put on the brakes. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, that, there's a lot of stuff that they don't, don't prep you for. So trial by fire, I'm going to ask, um, have you, I don't, let me know. Have you had your first crash yet or or has there been? A, I, I did. Yeah. Okay. I, I had it. Um I'm kind of glad I got it over with, honestly, because everyone says, like, you're going to have a crash at some point. And it was very minor. And um, it was like it was two days, I think, after I got my current bike. And so, like, you have an SR250, you know, it's like super light. Oh, yeah. And um, (laughs) my my new bike is like probably 200 pounds heavier. Yeah, yeah, I was going to say they're pretty chunky. Yeah, it was like, (laughs) yeah, and it was raining and uh, I was like going to work and I remember so clearly I was like should I like just take the subway like or should I like I really want to ride but I don't know because it's raining and I ended up riding because I was like too excited and I was like going down this street that was um there wasn't any traffic in front of me and then I was like coming up to this hill on the street and I was like you know I'm going a little fast you know because it's raining and I can't see what's on the hill and all of a sudden, as soon as I got to the top of the hill, I saw there was, like, a ton of traffic stopped in front of me. Oh, no. And um, there was also construction. So it was, like, this weird, like, curve. You had to, like, follow this, like, curved line. Um, basically, like, in a motorcycle test, it was, like, probably a textbook situation for some people. <laughs> right. And I just, like, 
braked a little too hard and um the I wasn't used to the weight of the bike so it was like leaning a little far to one side and I think I like I don't know how I ended up on the the opposite side that I thought I would but I must mm. have like wrenched the bike and like overcorrected um yeah cuz I I basically like felt it leaning one way and then I felt you know, when you're like, you're like in a turn and you're like, you're leaning and you're like, this is fine. It just like went a couple degrees past that. Oh no. And I was like, oh yeah, I'm not coming up from this, but I must have like <laughs> wrenched the bike totally the opposite way. And anyway, so I ended up like sliding a bit in traffic oh, and no. I was thinking about it the other day. I had like zero road rash, like absolutely no injuries. Um, thank God. Yeah. I'm really lucky the car behind me like saw it happen and like stopped in time. And the, the most embarrassing part was that, um, cause as a girl riding a motorcycle, like you already stand out and, um, there was this crew of construction workers literally like right where I fell and they all came rushing over. They were like literally all old men and they were like, are you okay? Oh my God. Yeah. This is why you don't ride in the rain. And they were very nice. <laughs> they were like a little condescending, but yeah. like in a nice way. Okay. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> and one of them even was like, he was like, you want me to ride it around the block and make sure it's okay? And I was, I was like kind of in shock. So I was like, uh, okay. And I let him take my bike around the block. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I ended up, it was like I walked away scot free, but Man. it was also like very like sobering. Of like, it was like really a moment of like, oh, like I could just like be on the ground at any time. Yeah, yeah, and that's that's the thing is. First of all, I'm guessing you had all the gear on because it sounds like you didn't even get any scratches. That's that's awesome. And B, yeah, you never know. Like all it takes is one thing and who knows with any construction if there was even some loose stuff that was kind of masked by the rain or whatever. But even on cold Yeah. Yeah, even on cold um I've been out a couple times before the tires were really warm and give it a little give beans baby and get a little sideways and be like, oh geez, like the tires are the tires are cold and the road surface is cold, you know, like riding in, yeah. in December. <laughs> yeah, you don't want to give full throttle. Yeah. You never know. I mean that's that's crazy. Luckily, yeah, luckily you came away unhurt. But yeah, got it out, you know, just like taking your first, you know, I don't know, hit of acid or your whatever it is, you know, you gotta you gotta do <laughs> yeah, it sometime exactly. and you don't know what no don't know what to expect until it happens. So there you go. Yeah, that's nice. Um Yeah, it kinda like makes you realize like how vulnerable yeah. you are. And like it's like it now I'm just like a little bit safer, but also I didn't have to like get my body mangled. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so that's true. That's nice. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Guess what? I didn't have to go to the ER for anything. Um, that's, yeah. that's nice. So I'm glad that I'm glad I, I'm not usually glad when people crash, but I'm glad you got it out of the way and it was relatively, um, you know, unscathed. I think, yeah, everybody, everybody deserves Same, yeah. one, one easy one, you know, like give me a, give me a yeah. get out of jail free card. Um, Hey, we've been yapping for about an hour. So guess what? I think we should uh, transition a little bit into your artwork. Uh, but one last thing I did want to ask you before, and I don't know uh, mm -hmm. if I got it out, but are there any groups or anything that you ride with? Or are there is there another group of girls that you ride with or any or any clubs or bike nights or anything like that that 
people might yeah. be interested in um, if they're in Toronto Yeah, area. I have a couple friends in the city that I'll, like, ride with every once in a while. I do, like, I, I definitely am, like, a solo rider, um, but I have a couple friends that I, like, trust enough to, to ride with them sometimes, like my friend Rachel. Um, but there's the group, the Lita's, who oh, yeah. I, I think they definitely have a presence in those states. I think they may have been, like, originally based in Los Angeles. Something like that, yeah. Um, yeah, but they have a Toronto chapter, so I try to, like, go to as many events as possible. Um, I love going to the moto socials here. Nice. Um, I'm I'm sure they, I mean, I know they have a lot of them in the States, but mm-hmm. I'm sure they, they do it in Los Angeles, yep. too. Yep, they have them, like, um, in every county around here. <laughs> so. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I try to go to as many as possible, and just, like, like being around, like, a million motorcycles, like... I don't know. I went to one a couple months ago and it was the first time since COVID. And it was just like, wow, like the sound of so many bikes in one place. Like, it's like so good for the soul. Yeah. Like, I don't understand it. It just like does something. Yeah, that's nice. It's one, it is one of those things that you just, you feel, you know, all of a sudden your, your emotions yeah. are stimulated and you don't know why. And it's like, oh, I'm with my people. You know, I, I'm hearing our, our trumpet yeah. floor sort of thing. That's nice. Um, yeah, so I, I'm going to guess, like, if anybody's interested uh, in Montreal, you, you just do what everybody does. Get on the web or get on Instagram or TikTok or whatever and, and look up, you know, motorcycle in your area and bang, you're going to find find a bunch of cool stuff. Yeah, I I was really lucky um, when I started riding. I went to hang out at Motor Revere a lot, which um, I know, like, Vice did, like, a 10-minute documentary or something on them, like, years ago. Oh, wow. um, but uh, they had to close their old shop uh because of covid um but it was like a cafe slash garage and it was just like a great place to like hang out and like meet other motorcycle people and i made like so many friends that way and found out about the community and events and stuff nice i know in montreal right now there's a new garage called idle um and it's like basically the same concept so like they have that going on there too and like those are the best ways, but also just like Instagram is the best for like networking and stuff. Yeah, now. yeah, it's pretty pretty big, and it's ubiquitous. I mean, it's it's all yeah. over everywhere. Um, exactly. So, keeping it motorcycle related, but moving on to a little bit of the more creative side of stuff. Let's talk about your art. Yeah. We, we we had talked about a little bit. Refresh us again. You you have a art um, degree, and. Uh, what, what again, like what schooling did you do again, real quick? Um, so I went to Concordia in Montreal. Um, they have, I think they have the biggest fine arts department in Canada. I remember someone said North America, but I find that really hard to believe. But <laughs> they do have a great fine arts program. Um, so And they had a combined major at the time because I love history. Um, so they had a combined major of fine art and art history. Nice. Um, so it was like half history classes, half studio classes. So I basically just, I did my art history classes and then painted for like four years. It was great. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, uh, since then I've just been like trying to paint in whatever apartment I've lived in. And lately, the la- I'd say the last like six months or so, I've kind of eased off the painting a little bit. I find it kind of comes and goes and I, I love painting, but I never want to force it too much. Like it's it's one thing in my life. I don't want it to like feel too much like a job. Yep. Um, but I do draw every single day. Oh no! So kidding. Cool. I've been 
I've been really into drawing and mostly like ink and black and white and like trying to do some really bold stuff. Yes. Um, but I'll, I'll probably get back to the painting in like the winter or something when it's not like disgustingly humid. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. I, I love your drawings. I love your pen and ink stuff as much as I love the painting. The, it captures the same amount of uh, emotion and, and watching you do it even when I see, you know, what to some people may look like a unintentional, like, you know, I, I don't know what to call it, but you know, when you're sketching something and you're just, you're constantly moving the pen mm-hmm. to get the shape or the pencil to get the shape. And it may look like an unintentional, like little hash mark or something. But when I watch you do it, everything seems to be intentional. And I'm like, oh my God, like she even put that little dot there, like some stippling right here. That kind of <laughs> look, you know what I'm saying? Oh my God. I'm so glad that's like coming across. Yeah. Yeah. I I used to think it was such a flaw in my work that I, I work really quickly. Um, but I think it's, it's the older I get and like the more experience I get, just like drawing, like I've definitely made, I'm not saying the quality in all of them is equal, but I've definitely done like tens of thousands of drawings at this point in my life. Because right. um, I've been drawing since I was like, an infant basically and uh like i i think the speed is actually a good thing the more experience i get and i can become more intentional and i find like the 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 biggest thing about becoming better at art isn't even i mean you want to develop your technical skills and like practice that but the confidence is like 99 percent of it in my opinion like when i see bad art it, to me, it's just like you can tell that the artist was like, uh, I don't know if I like believe what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. So right. I just like try to, I try to believe what I'm saying, basically. Right there, that's I love that. Believe what you're saying. I'm gonna write that down. Actually, nice quote. Uh, <laughs> you might, if you Thanks. see it on a t-shirt. No, just kidding. <laughs> Just like, hey, asshole stole that from me. Um, so let's talk about what type of um, like what would you define your style as, and 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 then if you can describe, uh, uh, given that this is an audio format, can you describe it to yeah. people a little bit? Yeah. So many people ask me like what kind of art I do, and I like I always struggle. Um, I just describe them as like weird portraits and. Because I'm definitely interested in, like, I think that the main thing I'm interested in communicating is, like, taking the, like, inner world that people experience and trying to, like, bring it out um, and trying to, like, uh, describe that on, like, their faces or, like, their, um, how they're interacting with their environments. So they're definitely, like, weird, I guess kind of cartoony-ish people, portraits. I I definitely use a lot of cross hatching these days and I'm using um I just get really inspired by like older illustration. I mean I say older, like art's been around for literally forever. <laughs> right. I'm talking about like maybe like nineteen fifties, okay. like sixties. I've actually been really interested lately in like um old sci fi novel covers from oh, like sick. the sixties. Yeah, so man. <laughs> um it's such a like specific like aesthetic that I'm really into. Um, I am working mostly in black and white and those covers I find have like such a good use of color. Yeah. But so I'm trying to like kind of translate the like, I guess, bolder elements of that into my drawings. Yeah. Um, somebody I'm going to compare you to and not a hundred percent because I, like you said, you, you described it as cartoony and I, 
Mm-hmm. I might not not like Looney Tunes cartoony, but definitely if you are, I would yeah. say like you know I, I don't know if you've heard of Dave McKeon, but your stuff reminds me a little bit of some of the stuff that he did with um, this novel, or I guess it's a graphic novel called Cages, and he's you know mixed media and and did a lot of art, but on on a lot of that, um, or at least for for most of. Uh, the first series it was pen it was dark you know pen and ink with maybe some blue mm-hmm. um blue backgrounds but it was it was all pen and ink and it was very uh the the characters were almost line drawings which is why i'm saying it compares to some of your your black and white drawings and everything was in that character the way he drew them and he did the same thing what you just described as you're trying to portray them by their actions or their interactions with either their their mm-hmm. expressions or the um the way they're like just even standing his stuff was a lot like that and that's what i see in yours and i think it's totally different styles but the similarities the the same thing i love about his is what i love about yours and um when you do use color man they are bold and they are popping <laughs> and sometimes they are multi-layered and i've seen you do a painting of somebody and you had it down and i was thinking well how the what the fuck is that going to turn into like this is crazy i never i would never <laughs> would have expected someone to start a painting like that and then you showed it i don't know how many hours or days later and oh my god it was just because those were the base layers and i'm going oh well duh now i i'm an idiot cuz that makes sense you had put down these big bold um you know, just basically like ter- areas, territories, not even the beginning of a shape. And then by the end of it, it was someone's face and it almost looks so realistic that I couldn't believe that you just started with some base um, blobs, you know what I'm saying? And your, yeah. the brushstrokes that you use, like I like I said before, were, were thick. You leave a lot of paint on there. If anybody is familiar with like Van Gogh, how he, you know, he was criticized too, right? Everyone thought he was a crap artist, but it's like, hey, you know, <laughs> I'm just inventing a new style, right? But Nowadays, I, I think a lot of people that I see, when I see those big, either the brush stroke or the amount of paint that's on there and it makes this just texture, you feel it. You don't just see it. You're you're in it with that. You interact more with the... Yes, exactly. Yeah. 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 And so that's... Yeah, I think that's the thing. Like, like, I don't know what it is about like paint that it just like really does something for me mm-hmm. um like i love abstract painting mm-hmm. and uh i when i was in art history like when i wanted that to be my future i wanted to do like a lot of research and and like eventually write a book and like my my goal was to like somehow make it my life's mission to make abstract art more accessible to like everyday people because mm-hmm. i think I remember I had a professor who told me um, people were scared of abstract art because they like were scared of being wrong. Oh, like, so right. they have like a defensive reaction to it, which right. I totally get. Um, cause, cause I think everyone's taught that abstract art has some hidden meaning, but <laughs> right. like, if you just like looking at this blue painting and the brushstrokes are just like coming alive and it's like making you feel good. Like that's, enough yeah um so i feel like we probably all get something out of that and i i just like really enjoy including that in my work and i'm glad it's like coming across (laughs) yeah well i i I just i don't know i i see a lot of um God, who was it? Was it like Jasper Johns? And I mean, everybody, I, well, mm-hmm. not everybody, but I think a lot of people know Pollock. Yeah, because he splattered it. You know, his emotion was on the cam. But you look at other people that paint um, and you look at 
how they used it and they there may be like paste or putty or big fat they used a knife to spread it rather than a brush and they wanted these things yeah. to stand out they don't want it to be a flat thing that you look at they want you to interact with it and you're not only does the content in your stuff stand out and and you interact with it but also the like I said, the whole texture thing, it, there's so much more than just a picture happening there. I don't know. That's just my two cents. But that's that's what I get too. Yeah, I fall into the folds of the the canvas as well as the brush strokes. It's not just looking at an image of somebody. But I also got to give it to you. Your images are very unique and they are very telling. And I always wonder how, which one of those is you <laughs> Which when you're painting yeah. yourself or someone else. Yeah, I, I, yeah, people ask me that all the time and I think in, in my mind, they're just like stand-ins, like they're just like, I don't know, almost like mannequins, I guess. Right. And uh, like sometimes I'll draw myself, but uh, I'll usually like make it more clear. To me, it's more clear than to me. Yeah. But I definitely, I know that they all look like me a little bit, um, but I, I think all artists do that a little bit. Um, like I remember reading a book uh, that was like basically a really long interview with Lucian Freud, who's like, he's problematic, but he's like one of my favorite painters ever. Um, and he was like, he was like 92 or like, he was like a million years old. And he was like, uh, yeah, I never paint myself. I don't put myself in any of my paintings. I don't know what you're talking about, but when you look at all of his paintings, they all they do look like him like they all look a little bit like this decrepit old man and it doesn't necessarily Um, have to be him like what you know as the is the subject you know what are what are they doing or what are they going through it was he going you know what i mean like it doesn't always have to be you to to quote be you so yeah that's what that's what i was wondering some of these people in your paintings look like um they're just like some of them look terrified. Some of them look depressed. Some of them look <laughs> happy. Some of them just like ecstatic. Some of them are just wild and free. And I'm always wondering, which were you in this mood when you painted that? You know, like, because, because yeah, they could be stand-ins. Yeah, I mean, but... almost always the answer is yes. Yeah, right. Um, like, I definitely like I try to be vulnerable when I'm making my art. I feel like it's like one of the only places where I can be like totally honest, and I right. like literally have zero fear about it like I've met tons of people who are like you know I'm a little nervous sharing my art on the internet Mm. or like showing people my work and I I've literally never had that about my art yeah which like sometimes it's not the best thing like sometimes I'm like yeah I wish I kept that one to myself but like I just (laughs) like have no shame about showing my artwork good so I feel like I can just like lay it all out there and you're like kind of it does kind of like hide your emotions a little bit. Like it's just like a great, um, it's cathartic, I yeah, guess is the word. For sure. And you can believe what you're saying because you're, you're doing it. Yeah, <laughs> so, exactly. Yeah. Nice. Um, one of the things I love, and I don't know if this was a phase or if this is uh, a constant, but I love the multiple eyes. I have to tell you that that. Like, yeah. You know, <laughs> oh, good. Yeah. yeah. The many eyes, many um, mouths. Um, also, that was definitely, it started as a phase and then more people were like mentioning that they liked it. And I was like, yeah. okay, I'm just going to put more mm-hmm. like, <laughs> cause I used to, when I was like in high school, I was very into anime. Mm. Um, and, uh, I used to get all these questions like, why does this person, have, cause like 
And on anime, they have like crazy hairstyles yeah. and all this stuff. And people would be <laughs> right. like, why does this person have pink hair? And it was like, there's literally no reason. It's because the pink looks, <laughs> I like the color pink. Right. Um, and then when I was in art school, I like obviously wasn't doing anime anymore, but I started painting people with like pink and blue eyes mm-hmm. but to make them look like kind of otherworldly. Mm-hmm. And people were like, well, why are their eyes a weird color? And it was like, they just are like it's yeah. art. Like yeah. use your fucking imagination. Right. Hey, what do you think? Um, so why think why do was, you think there are other colors? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like that, that you interpret <laughs> yeah. the art, man. Come on. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I think when I started doing the multiple eyes or like weird hands, I was like a little self-conscious. And then when people were like, Oh, I like that. Yeah. I was like, okay, I'm going to do more. <laughs> yeah, I, I love it. And, and it really doesn't have to have a reason. I, I, I know what you mean. Sometimes you just do something because yeah. it looks funky and you're in a funny mood. And then it looks, people just, oh my God, they start reading into it. I bet she's looking into exactly. herself or like, this is like somebody looking through two pairs, you know, whatever you want to say about it. It's, it's, the, whole, it's the greatest yeah. thing about art. Tape a fucking banana to the wall and guess what? People go nuts over it, right? And it's literally- and just- I <laughs> loved that for that exact reason. Yeah. Like, I, I feel like I was seeing into that artist's brain and they were like, fuck this. I'm yeah. just going to do this. <laughs> right. And Look. and then someone paid them money for it. I know. I know. And all they got, they didn't even get the banana. They just got a certificate being like, I bought this piece. Like, good for you. You literally just sold an idea. Yeah. Like, <laughs> um, yeah. You basically created the first in real life NFT, basically, you know, like, yeah. oh my God. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. That's funny. And that's, um, that is something, like I said, I look at your stuff and, and I see, uh, also you draw a lot of women on motorcycles, which I mean, it could be a reflection, right. Of, of maybe even just yeah. what you did that day. A lot of them are topless and I'm like, Oh, that represents like carefree spirit <laughs> yeah. and how motorcycles make you feel. But then I'm like, yeah, maybe it was just like a topless lady. Who knows? You know, like I love, I just love it. And, and it makes me think and wonder. So I'm sure you're, I'm sure that's why people are drawn to it is it, it's just so cool. And, and also, um, not to mention your style and your technique is so it's rich. I'm going to say that it's, it's, it's very, um, got its own sort of, uh, uh, I don't know what to say about it. It's got its own sort of, um, uh, I don't know the the way you deliver it on, on the, on the canvas and on the paper is super unique. So I, I love it. It's, oh, thank it's cool. you. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. I definitely, to me, when they're topless, it's about the like sense of, freedom yeah. and this this thing when I'm like anytime I'm like drawing motorcycle art I'm just trying to capture that feeling of like when you're when you're just like cruising and it like you know it all like clicks that you're like wow I'm like I'm doing this right now and like everything's perfect and I'm like going on an adventure and it's just like it's like calm but also like really exhilarated at the same yeah, time. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And I'm trying to, trying to get that in there. <laughs> nice. Yeah, and that's kind of what I feel too. I was like, you know, this could be something super simple and then just like you said, every, you could read, you could also just read read into it. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> rad. Um, how long have you been doing that style of art and like what's your favorite to do? Are you, I know you do some celebrity stuff. You've also done some, um, portraits that aren't you know that aren't out there or that aren't really abstract they're just more portraiture and they look really good so I, I can tell that you've 
you know, you've gone through the the chops, you've gone through the schooling yeah. and learned the technique. So what's your favorite type? And um, have you, you know, what did you start out doing when you first started painting versus now? Like, how did it, how did it uh, transition? Um, I think, so when I started, like, uh, really being like, oh, maybe I want to be an artist, I it's kind of unfortunate is when I got really into anime when I was like 14 and which I think now it, anime is like so popular with like teenagers now. Yeah. Um, and so that's how I started being like, yeah, I'm going to like really get into drawing, but I picked up so many bad habits cause it's all these, like it's cartoon first of all. Um, and like the bodies are so distorted and the eyes are so big. Um, so then when I got to art school and, or towards the end of high school, even I was like, I want to like draw normal people. Um, my proportions were like way off. <laughs> yeah. So then I kind of settled on this like cartoony style for a bit. I painted a lot of like weird clowns. Um, oh God. <laughs> sounding really weird, but, um, I really wanted to focus on like getting better at like realistic portraiture. So I did a lot of work in charcoal to practice that cause it's super forgiving. Yeah. Um, then when I started painting, it was an acrylic paint that it dries really fast. So yeah. working in that cartoony style was like the best, um, kind of like my best option. But then I got to university and uh, they let us use oil paints for the first time. And it was like something clicked in my brain. It was like kind of similar to when I like sat on a motorcycle for the first time. It was like, oh, this is what I should have been doing the whole time. <laughs> right, right. Because um, oils take so much longer to dry and they're so much more forgiving than acrylic paint. Oh, and wow, yeah. uh, then I started doing like more realistic portraiture. And I really enjoy the thing I enjoy about doing realistic portraits is just like you can shut off a certain part of your brain that is like, what's the emotion you're going for? What concept are you going for? You're just like focusing on the likeness and then like everything else just sort of comes out on its own. Um, so that, that's what I enjoy about like traditional portraiture. Yeah. But then I also enjoy doing more abstract, more creative stuff. That's like totally from, my brain. Yeah. So I actually don't know what my favorite is to be yeah. honest. It's something I still struggle with. Um, and to be a like really successful artist, you kind of have to have like a niche and like one thing. And like, I definitely don't have that, which is why I'm okay. You know, having my day job and then yeah. doing my art as like, I come home and like do that and get it all out. And I'm successful enough me nice um like i don't want to i don't ever want to put that pressure on myself to be like okay you're really good at painting like flowers so that's all you can do like i definitely i i think i have my fingers in like too many pots (laughs) (laughs) right right well you know too many but like in in a lot of different Pops, right and, and as you mature and stuff and as your art matures even maybe you'll find something that really sticks or maybe you'll go back to the basics who knows like maybe it's something that yeah you're getting out into the weeds now and, and you'll do a full circle back to the beginning so yeah i mean that's kind of how i feel with with painting because i i always come back to it and then i'll every once in a while i'll like take a break and then i when i come back to it i feel like i have a whole new perspective on it 
Um, so right now I'm taking a bit of a break and I feel like when I get back to it, something, something new is going to click for sure. <laughs> nice. But in the meantime, I'm really enjoying doing my pen and ink drawings. Yeah. Those are just as phenomenal. And, and, uh, yeah, I really like, like I said before, it looks something that looks random when you're doing it in pen and, pen and ink. It's, it's intention. You have to put that pen to the paper there. So, I mean, everything is, is, a. Uh, very intentional and the fact that some of the stuff that you do has like very black uh backgrounds i'm thinking oh my god that must that would have been easier to get a white pen and draw on black paper like you must go through like 85 pens actually i didn't even i didn't even think of that but that's so true yeah yeah i yeah i really like the just the the like hyper contrast of like a super dark background yeah um and, uh, yeah, I think that is what I like about pen and ink, actually, now that you're mentioning it, is that, like, once you put the pen down, it's like, okay, like, that's there. I can't do anything about it. Yeah. Um, and, and it's super, like, not forgiving, and it, like, really forces you to make decisions. Yeah. And I really enjoy that. Yeah. And, like, no. you, it's like if you even if you, like, make a little mistake, it's like, now I'm committed to this. Like, I have to, I have to either start the drawing over or I have to, like, figure out a way to, like, make this work. Yeah, absolutely. And and you've animated a couple things and had color moving. And, and those were awesome, too. I don't, I don't know what program you used, but that was pretty sick looking, too, where you took a couple of your uh, color pieces and... and you know, put motion to them and, and it was pretty fab. I love that stuff. Um, speaking of your favorite things, I have a few questions for you. We're getting into, we're getting close to an hour and a half here. If you can believe that we've been, we've been talking for a bit. Um, I want to ask you, I got a few questions here that I, that I have asked almost every guest on the show and I don't want to mm-hmm. exclude you from this list. I was thinking about revamping it, but then I'm like, well, then it wouldn't be the same list. So I'm going to ask you, it's really, it's, they're called dumb questions. So I have a dumb question list here. If you want to do it, let me know. If not, you know, we can skip past it. But man, I want to get your answer on some of this stuff because I, I just want to hear a Canadian perspective. Oh, I'm always good to answer some dumb questions. All right, <laughs> perfect. So let's start off the list here. The first dumb question I have is, which is your favorite grip, your right or your left? I think my right. Yeah. And how come? Because I'm right-handed. Okay. Also, because um, I'm so sick of Toronto traffic, and I'm constantly <laughs> have to like pull my clutch in. Right. And my left hand gets really sore. Yeah. So the right <laughs> hand makes you go and get out of that traffic. Perfect. Um, yeah. What's your favorite dog breed? If you do have one. Oh my god, that's so hard. Yeah. Um, maybe I'll say Mini Schnauzer because oh. I had a Mini Schnauzer growing up. Okay. Named Piper. She was so cute and she was so good. Nice. Yeah, those are cute, cute pups. Um, What's your favorite song? And I know this doesn't, this could be like, hey, this week it was this, last week it was so, of all time, of this, you know, hour, whatever. What's your your, uh, favorite song? Like right now? Oh my God. Uh, I was actually thinking yesterday, um, The Passenger by Iggy Pop Mm. just like does something to me. Nice. (laughs) Um, I don't know why. It's, it's like so simple, but it's like yeah, so good. Yeah, and it's highly covered. That's a good. That's a good song. Um, yeah, that too. Yeah. Yeah. What's your favorite type of sandwich? Oh my god, <laughs> questions are so good. <laughs> I actually, they're so dumb. They're oh my good. God, I don't know. <laughs> I like 
peanut butter and banana on like a shitty white bread. Oh my god, are you Elvis Presley? <laughs> Did you get reincarnated? <laughs> are you Elvis reincarnated? That is so funny. That's rad though. I mean, those are delicious. I haven't had a peanut butter and banana sandwich in a hundred years. I used to put honey on them. I mean, I, we could write a cookbook. Hey, if you want to draw the pictures, oh yeah, I'll you collaborate with <laughs> yeah, the recipes. I'll draw the pictures. Yeah, heck yeah, dude. A hundred ways to cook a banana sandwich, eat a banana sandwich. That's awesome. Uh, I thought you were going to say like a Montreal because isn't there a sandwich called a Montreal or something? I'm oh my sure. God. You know what? Actually, maybe I'll change it because a smoked meat sandwich is so good. Yeah. But it has to be like a Montreal yeah. version. I've had a smoked meat sandwich here and it's just pastrami and it's like, <laughs> this is not the same. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No. Okay. Well, I'll let you change it. And, and uh, I'm going to keep the banana and uh, peanut butter and banana reference for when we make our cookbook. Um yeah. <laughs> what is your favorite month? Uh, actually, I love August. Okay. So right now, I guess. How come? Um, because the the mornings are cool and the nights are cool. Um, but it's still like sunny and warm and like everyone's in a good mood and nice. Uh, I don't know. September's the- nice too, and October. Yeah. And then you mention every other month. <laughs> You're like, but I also like yeah. <laughs> um, Well, this July is July kind of sucks. It's a little too hot. Okay, I was I was just gonna say it's not on my list. But what month do people hate? Like around there is July because it's just so damn hot and humid. Here, I think everyone hates February because it's the so, It's like cold yeah. and like the days are so short. Oh yeah, we'll have to do something about that. We'll have to make make a daytime long. See if we can get. Um, the International Congress to make daylight longer in February. I, I agree. That's, yeah. a, that's a crazy month. <laughs> um, what's your favorite character from the movie Spaceballs? And this. Question- oh my god, I haven't seen it in so long. Yeah. But probably um, I, Rick Moranis's character. Yes. Probably. Yes. Dark. Dark <laughs> Vader. Yeah. Nice. Um, what's your favorite type of sweater? And this might go a long way because I've seen that. You've knit on your Instagram. I saw that you knit a sweater or hell, yeah. maybe a bikini or something. That's you knit something. That's a loaded question. <laughs> I love sweaters. Okay. Um. Oh my god, what's my favorite sweater? I love anything with like a tall, like a turtleneck, okay. but like a wide turtleneck, so okay. it's like comfortable. Right. Not one of those skinny, and, like, like puffy yeah. sleeves. Nice. Nice. Hashtag 1980s coming back. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> nice. Um, now this goes for motorcycles. So uh, what, and being an artist, you might have a lot to say about this. What motorcycle uh, do you think has the best graphics or paint like color, paint scheme? Oh my God. Yeah. Um, oh my God. I don't know. I do think... Harley, unfortunately, has the best marketing team. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, like, almost so good that I feel like I'm copping out by, like, saying that. Um, they do, I, and they, they have good I don't paints, love yeah. riding sport bikes, but there are, I can't think of any offhand, but there are so many, like, um, I don't know if the word crash rocket is sensitive. Yeah, no, that's good. There are a lot that have like great color schemes. Like I've seen Hello Kitty one. Oh, nice. Um, like uh, I saw one that has that like you know that like '90s coffee cup 
um, with like the turquoise and uh, purple yeah. kind of scheme. Yeah, there was a lot yeah, of 90s I've seen some purple like and that, turquoise. And it's yeah. like, oh, those are pretty fun. Yeah. Like it's more fun than my like big black bike. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Your big black bike, black gear. You just look like uh, Darth Vader riding across the street. Uh, pretty much, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah there's, there are some pretty cool 90s purple and teal was a big hit and it's coming back. That's from, it, yeah. yeah. Yes, yeah. Um, this is kind of weird too. What's your favorite motorcycle meme? And I, I had a, when I wrote these questions, there was a few floating around, but now I don't know if there's like many memes, you know, thing, things aren't memeing as much as they were back when I wrote these questions. Yeah, there, I have seen one floating around right now of like these two guys and they're like side by side on their bikes and they have this like long box of like 99 PBR cans. <laughs> and they're like they have it like across their lap so uh, they have to like match speed oh, perfectly to like keep the the box yeah. across their lap yeah i saw that and i've seen that in a few places and it's like that's kind of funny yeah yeah you know i i just i know which one you're talking about i just saw it last week right um yes, yeah yeah when you get when you get that like 32 pack of uh, pbr and you can't you can't sacrifice, you know, they're what a dollar a can. <laughs> so Yeah. I mean the the most insane thing to me isn't even that they're like transporting this. I'm just like, why are they selling a long box of ninety nine PBRs? Yeah. Like, yeah, I know. I know. That's pretty funny. Um, because you know, cause PBR. Um, what is your favorite type yeah. of pie? Or your favorite yeah, favorite type of pie? Um Oh my gosh, blueberry maybe? Wow. I think it's the first time anyone said blueberry. not pecan. Yeah, you don't like the pecans? Pecan pie is nasty, yeah. in my opinion. Yeah, <laughs> trash, total trash. It's like my favorite pie. Thanks, you just destroyed my... Uh... <laughs> oh, I think it's a lot of people's favorite pie, to be fair. Yeah, no, that's good. I think you're the first person to say blueberry. Everyone's like, oh, apple cobbler and blah, blah, blah. Yeah, I think you're the first to keep it simple with some blueberry. Um, now this may be kind of weird since you're in, you were from Montreal and you're in Toronto. Do you have a favorite mm-hmm. ocean animal? I know the oceans, uh, it's been a long time since Canada was an ocean. It's so far away. Yeah. <laughs> um, whales are pretty cool. Yeah. I like that answer. We'll keep it there. They're so that, big, yeah. Yeah. I'm going to get that for a soundbite later too. Just whales are pretty cool. And then that silence, that was that was primo. <laughs> nice. <Yeah. laughs> um, who do you think the best uh, female actor is? And it could be anybody right now or maybe one of your favorites. Um, wow, my brain is like yeah. totally... Going blank, dude. Each question gets so dumber. It makes you dumber. By the end of this question, you want to end of this list. You want to remember your name. There's only a few more to go. But, <laughs> yeah, you know who I'm gonna say because I've been watching The X Files so much is Jillian Anderson. Oh I God. love her. Oh man, and I hope to age like her because she yeah, she's gets absolutely like hotter every year. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. She's beautiful. I I had a crush on her back when that show was on, and I I went as a Fox one year. And um, my, uh, or I'm sorry, Mulder. Well, I don't know why I said Fox. I went as Mulder and uh, <laughs> this girl I was dating went as Scully and we pulled it off pretty good. Yeah, was, she is, she's a fabulous actress. Or female actor, I should say actor. Um, who's, who's your um, favorite relative? Now this might get dicey if you have plan on having people listen to the show, but who's your favorite oh my relative? God, my favorite relative? 
I'm going to say my six-year-old cousin because he's obsessed with me. Nice. So he nice. has to be my favorite. Yeah. And he's hilarious. You got to have someone <laughs> obsessed with you. Have it be a, you hear that mom and dad for Christmas this year? <laughs> Rebecca is dead yeah. to you. She's dead to you. <laughs> um, what name would you have chosen for yourself if your parents hadn't named you Rebecca? Oh, wow. Um... Uh, my mom told me that she almost named me Sydney, and I thought that was a good name. Yeah, so good. maybe Sydney. Nice, nice. Um, and finally, this is the last one. How many pairs of coveralls do you own? And I'm going to ask you a bonus question after you answer this. <laughs> I actually, I don't have any pairs of coveralls, but I have two pairs of overalls. Bam. That works. That'll work. And some exploding rain, <laughs> melting exploding rain gear and some other fun stuff. <laughs> so, um, they're definitely both covered in paint. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> yes. And my bonus question for you is how many like actual like frocks, like painting frocks do you have or aprons or whatever? I actually, I don't have any anymore because oh. I just, I gave up on it. Oh I used to God. have an apron in art school and it was like so caked in paint. It was like solid almost because yeah. <laughs> there was so much paint on it. Um, and then at some point, cause now I'm, I'm painting at home. Uh, and I don't know, I guess I don't feel like getting changed, even though it would be so much more convenient cause I'm not like going into, you know, um, like I just like accepted that all my clothes, they're going to have like a little <laughs> bit of paint on them, right. I guess. I don't know. <laughs> right. So I don't, exactly. I don't even have any anymore. <laughs> nope. Crazy. That's and that's how it goes. I had the same way. Like I, I used to have good clothes and then work clothes and then like pretty, you know, it came to be that like, Hey, I'm in my like nice quote, nice clothes and I'll have to go out and like check the chain tension or something and oh now my hands are all greasy and I accidentally touched my pants or my shirt well now this is a work you know every single clothing I have is now exactly exactly and I think also because I work um before I was a florist I worked at like an art supply store and like even as a florist it's like 90% of the time I'm like back there like plugging flowers or whatever like people aren't me. Yeah, yeah. And when I worked at an art store, it was like, oh, great. Like, I just look like an artist. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Yeah. Um, so it's never paint. mattered. Yeah, nice. Yeah. And, and you could try and, you know, do it in like, sim- like get one of those, um, I don't even know what they're called, but they're those, like the guys in, uh, um, Afghanistan where I'm those like single like it's like a, it's like a dress basically but it's just you know what I'm saying like it's a one piece clothing where you just have that yes, on and yeah, yeah. Whoosh, just take that baby off and swap it for a new one you know just have a have a bunch of them like on a ta- like a paper towel rack but it's just those things that you just like throw on <laughs> yeah no that's yeah, cool I, it sounds so simple and I don't know why I don't do it like yeah. honestly no, <laughs> no you know like you said you wake up you're comfy in what you're in and so you start doing something you're comfy with and guess what now that's your painting clothes too. <laughs> so, exactly. Yeah. Nice. Well, hey, we're getting we're at an hour and a half. Um, I've loved spending every minute uh, with you talking about you know this these escapades. You've done some pretty funny stuff. Um, motorcycling. I love your art. Um, I want to know: Is it okay? Do you want to share any social media where people can find you, and if they're looking to buy your art or anything like that, where where they can reach you or at least take a gander at what you got? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so my Instagram, um, I just changed my handle. I 
hopefully it won't change again anytime soon. Right now it's pine drop, like a, a pine tree and a raindrop, nice. all one word, and then an underscore. So pine drop underscore. And uh, that's my Instagram. And you can just DM me there. Uh, my other Instagram, which has more of my motorcycle stuff, is just my first name and my last name, Rebecca Prop. Um, spelled P-R-O-P-P-E because <laughs> um, people have trouble with it. Yeah. Um, and you can see my bike and then I'll post my art there sometimes and you can just DM me and uh, I'm willing to ship pretty much everywhere. The farthest away I've ever shipped was New Zealand. And nice. Those paintings are in loving homes. Yeah. So... I can send it. <laughs> yep. Um, I, I've shipped to Australia before. TikTok it, too. Oh, okay. yeah, yeah. Oh, I was going to say, I've shipped to Australia. It is not cheap. <laughs> so It is really not cheap. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> it's expensive. Yeah. Um, but uh, it's doable. Yeah. And then it takes forever. It really is kind of crazy how you can, like, order, like, cheap shit from, like, Hong Kong and get it in, like, five days. But if I go to the post office to mail something to Australia, it's like that's going to be a hundred dollars, and it'll get there in yeah, like three weeks, four like, weeks, <laughs> right? Yeah. How did they do it? Exactly. Exactly. Um, yeah. Yeah. What's your um? What's your TikTok? I think my TikTok is also my name, but I actually I'm not a hundred percent sure. But there should be a link on my if there isn't, I'll put one there on my uh, art Instagram, Pine Drop. Um, there should be a link, but I think my TikTok is just Rebecca Prop. Nice. And if it's not, hey, guess yeah. what? You've just found a new TikTok, and uh, <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> let us know. Let me and Rebecca know what's on it. <laughs> it's not not yeah. that. One. <laughs> yeah. Well, hey, thank you so much for hanging out. It's been a total blast. I like I said, I've enjoyed every minute of it, and um, I hope to catch you back up with you soon. I- I'll always be following you, so I'm just excited to see what's coming down the pipes. But yeah, it's been awesome to talk to a Canadian for the first time in a long time, and I think you're our first Canadian like artist that we've had on. So uh, everybody else... Oh my God, I'm honored. Yeah, no, uh, <laughs> the honor is completely mine, and thank you so much for wasting an hour and a half... I'm sorry to make you dumber as that list went on. I could, I, I could hear, <laughs> I could hear your IQ going down. So I'm sorry about that. But thank you for answering all those questions. It's, oh, thank you so much for having me. I had such a great time. Yeah, it's been a lot of fun. And uh, thanks again. And we'll uh, make sure we put all this stuff in the show notes. Thanks, Rebecca, and have fun. And let us know when the writing season's over up there. Which uh, yeah. All right, cool. We'll, we'll talk to you later. I will. Yeah. Thank you so much. All right. Bye. I'm not going to lie. You know how these interviews go. After Rebecca hung, well, after I said bye there, I said, wait, 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 wait. Rebecca and I talked for hours about poutine, maple syrup, grizzly bears, the Toronto maple leaves. I don't know what else. What else is there to talk about? I mean, we, we covered it all, baby. We covered it all. What a lovely lovely artist uh funny funny woman and uh very friendly as as you would expect from our buddies up north in canadia well thank you everybody for wasting two hours of your time on creative writing if you have anything you'd like to submit to the show 
send us an email, creativewritingpodcast at gmail.com. Don't forget that. Check the show notes for everything out. Once every 17 months, we'll update our blog. I should probably update it with all these new events coming up. But time is short. It's easy to throw out a podcast. It's not so easy to sit down on the computer, tippy-tappy-typey, all this crazy stuff. So, uh, yeah, if you got if you got the time and you want to let me know how you have so much time on your hands, uh, at any rate, get out there, ride, stay safe, stay cool, stay hydrated, and uh, I don't know, stay whatever you want. Stay filthy, you filthy animal. And love you all. Uh, talk to you all later. Thanks to our patrons for always making the show available to everyone. And uh, check us out on Cloudcast, Speakerbox, Spotify, uh, Apple Podcasts, uh, Stitcher, Soonclude. There's a couple more that I can't think of right now. Probably Anchor, uh, Overcast, um, Undercast, uh fishing cast you know like when you cast a fishing oh, that's stupid uh yeah check us out take it easy smell like uh <laughs> you smell you smell like bigfoot's dick bye RP Enterprises and Wiggleman's Legal Fund team has set up an account for anybody that feels targeted by saying they smell like Big Red Stick. <laughs>